import export just yeah. with the wrong products because <laughs> <laughs> it went from pills to then meeting somebody that had been to morocco a couple of times mm. back in bristol it's worth seven and a half grand a kilo this is where things fucking move up a gear how would you know if i was adhd it's attention deficit hyper disorder not yes. everybody is hyper we are able to hyper focus on things and then get stuff done in less time than probably neurotypicals can do as an entrepreneur you solve problems which is why a lot of entrepreneurs are adhd 300 times more likely to set a business up if you've got ADHD. After finding out I was, I think I started going on a bit of a journey of self-discovery. Fuck it. I'm just going to wrap it in a towel in my suitcase. Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Elliot Brown is an ex-criminal, smuggling millions of pounds worth of drugs across Europe. He openly talks about his upbringing in business and helps thousands of people understand their ADHD. Now one of the number one ADHD business and performance coaches. This is the eventful life of Mr. Elliot Brown. Elliot, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you very much. I'm excited about this, Dodge. I really have. <laughs> it's been a while, isn't it? I know. We were talking about this, what, two, yeah. year, two odd years ago? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, he... uh, let's roll all the way back. Where yeah. did you grow up and how did you end up getting banged up in France and in Spain? And in Spain. Okay, so where do, you, where do you want me to start from? Where you grew up. Where I grew up. I grew up in the Midlands. Uh, moved up to the Midlands um, about two years old. So I don't remember obviously moving up mm. there. Um, the family business was up in the Midlands. So um, my grandfather had set it up up there. So moved up to the Midlands and um, lived in Litchfield, uh, Litchfield mm. Cathedral, if you've ever heard of that, mm. probably not. Um, and, uh, and started school in a private school, believe it or not. So they sort of settled in the Midlands because the business was there for distribution purposes, no matter what, what the business was. Um, and so I started school in a private school. It was a cathedral school. I was a choir boy. I used to like proper, proper like ruffles. <laughs> you can, can you imagine? No, I'm just picturing right now, yeah. <laughs> That's a weird picture. Um, uh, yeah, so private school. And then my father pulled me out of private school to buy a boat. Mm. Shows you where our priorities are, mm. right? Mm. <laughs> Down here in Paul, actually. Mm. Um, and uh, started Cobbs, Cobbs Key. Yeah, I know um, Cobbs, yeah, yeah. so that's, that's what we used to come boating here sort of most weekends when I was a kid. Um, but but went to, then went into a normal school. Got bullied to fuck, to mm. be honest, because I was... Terry, mm. I don't call him my father, right? I'll talk about that later on. Terry, um, his, his, his controlling, controlling, bullying, sort of, you know, quite abusive behind the scenes. Nice yeah. as pie at the front, but, you know, like that. And But from London, so southern accent. My mum's Dutch, mm. so quite a neutral accent. Mm. Um, so I got bullied for saying bath rather than bath. Right, okay. And, uh, and bus rather mm. than bus. Mm. So, of course, I became the fucking class clown, didn't I? Mm. You know, that was, I suppose, to, which a lot of people do, right? You sort of see a lot of people that, you know, whatever they got through in life, if they've been different at school and been bullied, they tend to become the comedian mm. and sort of entertainer. Um, and so that, in essence, was was how school started. And I didn't really have loads of friends, but there were a few. Um, and uh, school was all right. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I was smart, but I was always at the front mm. for fucking about mm. or sat or pushed to the back. They never in those days looked at why mm. you were sort of playing up or anything mm. like that. And of course, I used to get beaten quite regularly by my father, belts and slippers and usual shit, you know. Well, he used to beat you with belts. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, like literally. What, year, I didn't talk, go, what year are we talking in the eighties? I mean, well, I'm I'm forty nine now, so mm. uh, you would have been talking what? I was born in seventy four, so yeah, okay. I, as long as I can remember. Yeah, to be okay. fair. Um, to the point where I didn't want to do sport and stuff in in sort of junior school or, or well, maybe probably first few years of secondary school, so probably 11, 12, 13 yeah. years old. Um, in fact, I remember being in the changing room of secondary school and uh, getting changed to do football, which I couldn't stand, to be honest, I'm not at football. And, and a like green, why oh, made me think about this, but black and green and blue sort of marks down my, because he had these Pirelli fucking slippers with massive hard, like a hard sole. Mm. I mean, that's pretty evil. I can't imagine doing that to my to my son. Do you know, it's pretty. But anyway, um, I didn't expect to talk about that. Um, so 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 yeah. Although why had, was he why was he like that towards you? He had a pretty shitty upbringing. Okay. I mean, my grandfather is a is a self, was a self made millionaire, proper entrepreneur. In fact, I'm very similar to him. Mm. Um, and my grandfather wasn't around. He was always working. He was running his business. He was doing business, and it split up with Terry's mother mm. um and so terry had gone into f sort of foster care because because okay. my, my nan was yeah had become ill basically mentally ill um in fact i go and remember going to one of these victorian you know victorian mental homes mm. that they all closed down in their apartments mm. going into one of those where people are rocking backwards and forwards in white coats and stuff like proper yeah. fucking weird um so i now of course as i'm older i understand why terry did a lot of those things you know he was probably abused yeah. and things as a kid and it was probably just normal to him. Fair play for you accepting that. I, I, I've had to yeah. over the last over the last probably probably five or five or eight five five years. I would okay. say I've probably worked to myself more. Yeah. Um, and so, so I do. So see as that. you were growing up, as you were growing up, then was there a time you're saying I need to get out of the household here? Oh, mate. I mean, it was. It is. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. Um, I'd uh, I'd gone into sixth form, which I didn't want to do. Um, I wanted to go to college, actually. I'd done enough of school, really. Um, I was already going clubbing and stuff. So I was playing. I was going out with people who were a couple of years older than yeah. me, you know, into Derby, going clubbing and stuff, night nightlife. So I didn't want to be going to, to sixth form. So it was, it was still inter institutionalised, mm. you know? It was, it was like everybody was still like school kids. Mm. And I would sort of grown up a little bit. And I had like three jobs at the time as well, working in woodcraft, working in the butchers, doing some other stuff and, you know, earning money. Because, I, you know, although I was, it was a reasonably privileged upbringing, um... It, well, I had less money than everybody else. That was a, a, probably a control thing from my father, to be fair. Um, and so, yeah, 16, 16, 17 years old, going to sixth form. Um, three months in, I, I remember standing up in maths. How I got to do A-level maths, I've no idea, because I'm shit with mm. numbers. We'll talk about this in a bit. Mm. I've got dyscalculia as well as ADHD, right? Which means I'm, it's like dyslexia. I'm completely number blind. Um, and I remember standing up, A-level maths, about a month in, if that, saying, does everybody else understand what's mm. what's being said in there? Of course they did. And I felt fucking stupid. I walked out and that was pretty well where I started leaving sick form. So I'd actually left school before my parents found out for about three months. I was getting on my motorbike every day, going to fucking school, but they were thinking I was going to school. And I wasn't actually going to school. I was actually picking my mate up and then going getting pissed at all mm. day. Um, and of course, when Terry found out that I'd left school and I'd been tell telling him that I was going to school, uh, I remember him putting me up, a side, up against the side of the Shogun on the fucking drive, um, and and that was that was sort of that was about where I needed to get out of there really, um, and I think I left home at like seventeen, eighteen, um, started working in bars and stuff um, in Litchfield. I needed to get out, just get out of it because I could have gone into the, I could have gone into the family business. Yeah. That would have been the easy route. But I just didn't want to do that. Then I wanted to go on, you know, go and experience life a little bit. So, um, 
Yeah, it, it, it was it was seventeen eighteen, and I just literally packed up my packed up my car, and and just drove off the drive, and that was it. I, I sort of literally turned my back on my father, because I couldn't deal with it anymore. I had to change things mm. the way things were. What were your movements after that then? Um, I started working in a bar because I had to do something, and I, and um, I just walked into a bar one day and asked if they had a job, um, and he liked me, and started working in there. I ended up becoming the assistant manager of that. Um, and then he recommended me to a, to a guy who's opening a, a bar up in near Birmingham in a place called Warsaw uh, and said he'd make a great manager and he was turning this, open this new cafe bar. And he said, Elliot, make a great manager. I know him, you know, put him in there, you, you know, and he'll, he'll get the place going. And I was only what, 18 years old. So why he gave, why they thought I had this flair, mm. but I'm very sociable, outgoing. I picked up the bar, bar sort of business pretty quickly. Um, and so started running this brand new bar for this guy in, uh, in Warsaw. Um, and then I start, I was going out with this, I was fucking all the staff as well. I was a nightmare. <laughs> like dodge, I was a proper nightmare. And I, and I, and I, and I got engaged. I got Bang in, in the payroll. I, all, like in the first bar, I was a nightmare. And I got engaged to one of the girls as well, who we'll talk about in a second, we moved to Spain with, um, you know, probably a few months later. Mm. But I was a nightmare. Like I was a real nightmare. And I don't know why, because I was a proper, I had like little glasses, I was a bit geeky, really, but I sort of probably fancy myself with it wearing these silk shirts, like Chiro. Do you remember the Chiro Terrio shirts? Yeah. <laughs> I was wearing Chiro, like with these little gold glasses, and I still pulled. I don't know yeah. how did that even happen, but in good the chat, bar, mate. Good chat. Maybe, maybe. Um, and then, and then Tracy, who I'd got engaged to, I was eighteen and uh, I got engaged to. She'd gone to work in 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 south of Spain, like the year beforehand, before I'd met her. And, um, and she was sort of going to talk about going out for the summer again to go and work in Spain. And, um, and I was like, I fancy a bit of that. Like, we could just go down there and work in bars. Mm. That, that, that sounds like fun. Um, and so that was how the transition went from working in bars, meeting her, and then going, right, we're just going to put some money together and fuck off to Spain mm. to the Costa del Crime. Mm. Mm. Or the Costa del Sol, mm. Fuengarola. So we're talking, was it Fuengarola, was it? Yeah, Fuengarola, yeah. We're talking like mid-90s here. So I'm 90, 94. I'm 90, 94 was a bore. No, that was when I got done. 93, I was set free. 93. 93. 93. Um, what was that life for you 94? like then, going out to, to Marbella? Because back then, the 90s was the place to be. Yeah. We were yeah. out there and kind of grew up there as a kid. Yeah, I remember you the, saying. Yeah, it's, that was the place to be, Estepona, Marbella. Yeah, Port Benoos. Well, uh, well was, Fuengarola wasn't yeah. quite no, as posh. No, Fuengarola wasn't. I do remember the water slides there, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, water park. Well, well, so we went to Fuengarola yeah. initially, and um, you know, London pub, yeah, um, the underground mm. club as well. And so, you know, we went there, and and um, and had no work or anything. So we had to find work, and of course, there's loads of bars back back then. Like everybody opened bars in yeah. the summer, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and a lot of dodgy money down mm. there as well. So you know. Opening bars is a great way of cleaning money, mm. probably wasn't it? So, um, so yeah, we 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 started working in a bar, and um, it was there was a day, there was a day when we were due to we were living um, Las Palmeras, which was the hotel mm. overlooking the the marina. Mm. Um, I don't know whether that place is still there now, but a big brown building it was at the time, chocolate brown place, and we had like a um, um, like a 
what were those like one bedroom in the in the in the what's it what's it called? You have a bedroom in the lounge and everything studio, mm. like a little studio apartment, which can't have been very expensive. Mm. I tend to think now it's like a couple hundred quid, but it can't have even been that much. Mm. Probably you think about quid. it, ninety three. This is this is thirty yeah. years ago. So so if I'm thinking money wise, it was like a couple hundred quid. It's got to have been like yeah. maybe sixty quid, maybe yeah. for a month. Mm. Um, and and we were struggling to come up with the money for that for that end of that month. We started working in a bar, and this guy used to disappear every few days, close the bar disappear every week or so, close the bar for a couple of days, come back, reopen the bar. Mm. I didn't know what he was doing at the time, so I just met him. So we were working in there together, both Tracy and I. And um, and we were a bit, we were a bit, we were proper skint because we hadn't been down there very long. We only went down there with like a couple hundred pound. Mm. Um, and although Terry and I had fallen out, I had got him back in contact him mm. between that time. And when I went to Spain, he did say, look, you know, when you're there, if you need anything, I'll wire you some money just to tide you by. Mm. So it's one day, and I remember where I was. So I literally remember the, the, the phone where I was stood in Swangrola. And I said, uh, uh, so I, I, I called him up and I said, listen, we're just struggling a little bit. Could you just wire, just just transfer some money down, which I would have had to go into the bank and all sorts in those days, right? It wasn't a simple process. Mm. Literally just to cover the rent for a bit, and then I'll send it back because we started working in a bar. Mm. Um, and again, you know, the, the whole contract, God knows what day he'd had, but it hadn't been a good day. And he just fucking flew into one. I'm not sending you any money. And f-. he was like proper went into one. And, and, I, and I just remember putting the phone down and going, fuck, well, I've got to do something here. We've got to, it's got to, I've got to do something because otherwise we're going to be out on our ear. Um, and I think we may have been, the fact that I feel, re- recalling now, the fact that I feel like we were in trouble, we were maybe already behind on paying. It may have had to pay weekly. I'm not sure. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. So um, went back to the bar and spoke to Dave. The guy's name was Dave, big guy, um, and said, um, "Listen, you know, could you for just you know afford us a little bit of money for the rent?" He said, "Yeah, no problem at all. I'll do that." And I didn't want to ask him. Um, and then we were talking about it, and I think I then probably offloaded a little bit to him about well my that situation. And so um, we closed the bar that night. This I think fucking real proper recalling stuff here. Mm. Closed the bar that night. And we went upstairs, and I'd not really touched drugs or anything at that stage, right? I'd done a little bit of acid in the UK, but nothing mm. major. Didn't smoke weed, didn't really like it. Mm. I was in Spain for a few weeks, and I've done fucking side smoking weed, and we've done a little bit of Charlie, mm. and fucking, forget it, we've done, tried everything. We're down mm. on the south coast of yeah. Spain, right? It's all there. <laughs> and, and David sort of said, listen, um, do you fancy strapping up um, a couple of kilos? He said, I do it regularly, that's why I close the bar. Uh, like two and a half kilos of cannabis resin. They were mm. like, you know, nine bars. Nine bars. Yeah, like okay, like that yeah, big, right? Yeah. So a couple of kilos is, you know, down your side, baggy jumpers, right? Remember, baggy jumper down there, around there, strap it up with sort of um, that sort of materially sort of tape so yeah. it doesn't crinkle or whatever. Mm. You can smell it coming through your top sometimes. Mm. Um, and uh, and then he said, you know, I'll pay you for that. Um, and it was reasonably good, reasonably, reasonably well paid. So, you know, I did that, flew back with him. I did that a couple of times until I got some money. And then, So where were, you, where were you flying from then? We were flying from, we flew from Malaga then. Yeah, to where? Um, we were going to Manchester because he so was... So you were taking the gear from Malaga, from Morocco, no doubt. No, no, Malaga no, this is from Mar- Spain. Yeah. So they were just, buy, he, he was obviously buying the stuff. From So Morocco. we were just strapping up, going, no, no, from Spain. From Spain, okay. This is from Spain at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, go, flying from Malaga, yeah, and then flying back to back to Manchester, and he was Birkenhead area, yeah. so he was knocking it out there yeah, okay. for like two not two seven a key, somewhere yeah. two thousand seven hundred key, yeah. somewhere ish, which I found yeah. out sort of later on. So did a couple of those, and he paid me, and then I put the money, and then started buying at the same time, and then started flying with back with my girlfriend. So you were you were taking gear back from Spain back to the UK initially. 
Straps strapping it up. Me and the girlfriend. So then Dave was like, he was doing his own thing. And I was, well, I got some money together. So then Tracy and I were doing it. My girlfriend and I, we were flying back. Mate, we were flying back. But when we got to, got to Spain in February, we were flying back every, once, a, once a week or so, every 10 days. Malaga or Alicante or Gibraltar. Yeah. So we were going through, so we wouldn't go to the same airports yeah. all the time. Um, yeah, and I remember Tracy walking through one time and she still had a backpack on. This is in Gibraltar Airport. Mm. Still still had a like like a little backpack on. And the 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 fucking alarm's gone off, hasn't it? I'm shat myself. I've already walked through. I'm, I've shat myself. And thankfully they just asked her to take it off and put it on the conveyor belt. <laughs> yeah. Um so that was pretty hairy. Did moment. you know what the consequences were for carrying like what are you saying, two fat call it two and a half grand a key at that time yeah. and you were taking what two or three keys? Yeah, a couple of ki- couple of keys. Do you know what the consequences my- were bringing it from Spain uh, to England at the time? I was probably a misconception. Yeah. Mate. I have to be honest with you. I didn't think you'd probably get as much time as I then realised later yeah. on. Yeah. I thought, you know, it's a bit of it's a bit of gear, it's yeah. a bit of pot, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Um, so I thought maybe you might get a month or two. And I think maybe that had been said, mm. maybe. Mm. So I was in, so I felt bulletproof, really. Yeah. And I got the book of fucking bollocks though, yeah. in those days, really, mm. to do that. But you've done it a couple of times and you think, oh, this is, this is a piece of piss. Mm. Um, I remember getting on the flight one time and I was fucking on speed and I could, and it was, I was so hot, I could smell the fucking stuff coming through my top. <laughs> Sat on the plane thinking, does anybody else smell this? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we done, yeah, so so we've done that. And how much were you? How much were you personally earning carrying? Well, for someone when, else, when I was doing it for some, when we was doing it initially, roughly, if you're carrying seven and a half grand's worth, probably, of gear, probably, on you? probably five hundred quid. Wow, probably five hundred quid, and for for for, yeah. for, 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 for that, which mm. you know, when you've got no money, yeah. five hundred quid yeah, actually yeah, went yeah. back then, not well, a bad amount yeah. of money. Yeah. Um, and it what for three four days work. Mm. Okay. It's not too bad. Mm. Uh, flights are paid for and everything as well. So it's not like I had any cost any cost to come out of that. Um, and then when we're doing it ourselves, we're earning a little, little bit of money and it's mm. working. Um, so we were doing that and we, we got a nice, slightly nicer place to live in. Um, and this is within the space of two or three months. Mm. And of course, I've got to know people down in Fuengarola that time. And, you know, you're running a bar and you get to know everybody. Um And there's this guy called Scottish Jerry comes in one day and he's got a fucking, oh, I'm on a, and he was proper stressed out. It's a bit of a bell end, actually, this guy. Um, but he, he was—he he sort of was probably trust somebody had let him down, and he was—he was having to take um, a couple of cars. Him and a mate of his were due to drive a couple of ringers, so stolen cars that were being re- re- replated, taking them from um, Algeciras to Ceuta. Ceuta is Moroccan ter- Moroccan yeah. mainland, yeah. but Spanish territory, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a ferry that used to go between, well, I don't think it might still do, go it's between the two. It's years, isn't it? Yeah, it's ferry a tangent. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and he said, it's a piece of piss. All we've got to do is drive a car. And I'm like, yeah, fucking whatever. And he was, I think he was probably going to pay. You know, he was going to sort me out with five, 600 quid. Mm. I, would, I would assume. I can't remember. Mm. And um, so, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Whatever. It sounds easy. Just get in the car. Um, and uh, he was in a white Mercedes. And I was in a white Mitsubishi Payero, like Shogun, mm. two-door mm. Shogun. Um Dutch plates. I'm English. Like really, what a dick. Alarm bells. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So, cause, and they said they were going to be English plated, but they weren't. It was a Dutch plate. So anyway, we've gone in there and we've gone to Algeciras and yeah, dude, I mean, literally we were the first couple of vehicles that got, we just got pulled straight over, like immediately. 
You do so. I do wonder these days whether we were set up to let yeah. some other cars through, yeah. which you know, I suppose now that was exactly what probably did you know happened. what you were carrying in that car? Did there was nothing was, in that there car, there was nothing in the motor. Okay, they was they, they were they were they were just cars being smuggled over to okay. over to Morocco and they disappear into those countries, don't yeah. they? Or did do back then when they start, they probably still mm. do. Um, and so got nicked. So Al Jazeera's, I mean, fucking banged up, didn't I? So I'm there, I am. I got away with smuggling fucking gear, yeah. like your cannabis, mm. for, for two or three months. Um, it was probably about May time. So I moved out there February. In three months, we'd done quite a lot of mm. stuff in that three mm. months. And got in the, you know, got nicked, Al Jazeera's, we're split up. Pretty fucking shitty prison that was. Yeah. Like that's... What did you get nicked for? Um, I think it was false documents... Stolen car, false documents, and, and false plates. It would be something like that. Mm. Um, but you don't get nicked. You don't, they don't send you to court straight away, do they? You know, so you're in there. You have no idea how long you're going to be there. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Everybody's stories are different. Then they moved me from Algeciras up to Cadiz, mm. to Porta Santa Maria, mm. um, which is, you've got Porta Santa Maria Uno, which is where the Yeta Terrace, all the terrorists and lifers and stuff yeah. are. And then two, Dos, Porta Santa Maria Dos, which is where most of the smugglers are and, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. Or back then mm. they were. And, and that's like, you know, Tracy was still in Fuengarola. That's a fucking three hour drive up the coast. Mm. And we had like a little VW camper van, or she did. Um, so moved up to there and initially I'm 18 years old. So, uh, 18, no, 19, Did you both get 19, no, 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 just me, just me. So I'm 19 and years old. And where was she in the passenger seat? Uh, no, no, no. She'd gone through. Yeah, no, no, okay. she wasn't with me. Okay. So it was literally, he's in one car, and this Scottish the, okay. Jerry, and I'm in another car. Okay. Um, no, his name's Colin. Scottish Jerry got shot. Another story. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> He was one of those ones. You know, you know, you know when people say afterwards. You know when something something happens to somebody that's yeah. that's, a, that's a proper bell end, yeah. right? He had to swear on this, a yeah, of course. Right. So yeah. he's a proper. He was this mm. guy was a proper. Right. Yeah. He's on everybody off. Mm. And and then when somebody dies, and then they start going, "Oh yeah, isn't it a shame?" Mm. No, he wasn't a shame. Mm. The guy was. A, he mm. properly was. A, so he got shot. Mm. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So um, this is the ADHD brain disappearing <laughs> off here, isn't it? Go, keep going. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so I'm on my own. Did um, they give you, how long did they give you? Did they say to you, you've got, how long did they well, you, you do, Well, for initially, you don't, you don't, you don't go to, you don't get, so I'd been in Cadiz probably four months before I even went to, went to court. You're joking me. So they've just thrown you in a Spanish they thrown cell. thrown me in a Spanish fucking prison. And they tell you nothing? Nothing. Nobody knows anything. And, and the, um, what are they called? Um, Guardia. No, 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 no. Uh, when they represent our, our country in other other countries, oh, yeah. ambassador, uh, yeah, ambassador um, yeah. embassy, embassy. Yeah. So the guy comes from the consulate. Yeah. Guy comes from the consulate, um, and of course they don't know anything either. And they provide a sort of a solicitor and a, a translator mm. and stuff like that. But they have no idea. Mm. You could be there. You could be there the whole term and go to court and then let you out. They literally, you have no idea. So every day, you know, you'd have no idea what's going to go on. Um, and so, first of all, get into the into into that Porta Santa Maria, and we're in. I'm in there uh, in what in essence was minorities, were so minors basically, sort of under twenty ones. Mm. Um, but we, there was me and another English guy. We just get getting get into trouble with like Spanish and Moroccans, like mm. fights and, and shit. And I wasn't really much of a fighter, mm. but you've got to learn to fucking fight when you're in these places because yeah. these are shit. These aren't nice places mm. to be in. And so um, they moved us over to another block where there was about twelve English some Dutch and stuff like that. And it was a little bit more of a mixed mixed community, mm. I should say. Mm. Community, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> um, 
And so it was probably, I think I was five, four or five months in before I went to court, then went back to court again. Um, and then they gave me a year, which out of that I was going to serve six months and 33 days fine or something like that. We worked out seven and a half months. So, um, and that was about two or three months before sort of getting out. And once you find out, yeah, because there's nothing you can do about it. Tracy used to drive up to me once a month, pretended she pre she was pregnant to the consulate so she could get a vis-a-vis -vis visit, mm. conjugal visit, I think they call them, don't they? Mm. Where you get like a, almost like a hotel room. Um, so we could get this proper, like a proper sort of a visit. So bless her, mm. drive three hours up. You know, and and she wasn't doing anything naughty after mm. that. That I'd called it. You know, she was she she was like playing it clean, and so that she had money, but that was going to run out at some stage. Um, but she still used to drive up and see me, and um, and she did regularly and write letters and all sorts. Um, and I spoke to my mum. Terry tried to get hold of me, and I wouldn't speak to him while I was in there. The consulate was like, you don't have to speak to him if you don't want to. And I'm like, don't, yeah, don't tell him. I tell him I don't speak to him. Mm. I did not want to speak to my father at all. Did you struggle not speaking the language in the Spanish, Nick? Um, I picked up Spanish. Yeah. I did pick up Spanish. Um, but there were, because there were other, because we were in a wing that was in essence, yeah. there was a lot of mixed, you know, English English speaking. It yeah. wasn't too bad. Mm. But um, yeah, we get, it, was, it, was, it was bizarre. Anyway, I, I could tell you all sorts of things about that. December comes, and um, again, I don't. You don't know what day you're going to get out. You could serve the whole twelve months and then just forget about you. It was mm. happening in there. Mm. People would go over the time, um, but I worked. So I worked in the library. I worked in the gym, um, and doing those things tends to help. Mm. So they you that you, that buys you some time. Basically, you get days off and mm. things like that um, off your sentence mm. for doing the work, which is pretty standard, probably I would have thought. And then. Um, and then we sort of beginning mid-December and then one day they've literally called the post. So I've gone to get my letter and then they've called my name straight away. And every time they call your name, you think you're going to get released because mm. you get sort of excited. Um, and I remember, I remember getting up and um, I've got the letter. I was just about to open it and it was from England and it was in Tracy's writing. And I didn't know she'd come back to the UK. Um, and so I was about to open this thinking, God, she's obviously gone back because she's run out of money or whatever. And then I've, they've called my name again and I've gone over and they said, you're, you're getting out. I'm like, fuck, go and get all your, get, go and get your stuff. Two black plastic bags with my, all my, my clothes in it and, and, you know, basically all my belongings. Literally two bin liners. And they stick me in a holding cell. This was in probably about two o'clock in the afternoon, eight o'clock at night. I'm still in this holding cell and, then I've, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I keep asking, keep asking. And, I start, and then I'll like, fuck this. So I open this letter. Tracy's back in the UK and she's gone, gone home for Christmas. She's spoken to her mum and she said, listen, I, you know, I think I've got to pull out of this. You can't, I, I can't do this relationship anymore. You know, I, I've supported you all this. And, and I sort of got it, but it hurt. I'm the day I'm getting released. I find out that she's left. So I've got nowhere to go back to either. And I'm like three, four hours away. Um, and they give you like a train ticket, but by the time they'd release me, the trains had stopped fucking running. Um, there was another guy who got released at the same time. We ended up going for a drink actually, or he took me for a drink. And um, so I spent the night in a in a bus bus shelter basically for the night, and then got a train back to Fuengirola, which took me most of the day. Um, but I didn't know anybody there. Like everybody, these places change in a few months, don't they? And you're talking December, so the bars are not open now. Everybody's closed up for the winter. Um, Tracy's gone and luckily I, I did knock on one bar and he was still open and asked around and they said I'll go and see so and so in another bar and I went to go and see him um, 
I don't really remember what, what happened there. I ended up staying somewhere for a couple of nights and then bumped into that the guy at the Colin, that Scottish Colin. Mm. I bumped him and stayed with him for a little while. Um, in fact, that night, I got absolutely fucking wasted, Dodge. Like, properly wasted after doing... We, we, we got on the gear mm. and drank like there was no tomorrow after not drinking for like seven mm. months. That was a messy night. Anyway, um, and so... That period then restarted then. Well, I had to build everything from scratch. I had nothing, like two bags, no money, nothing, literally nothing What at was all. your first point of call to earn a pound note when you come out of Nick? Well, bar, the bar, bar work I knew I could do, couldn't I? And I had, a, I mean, people said you've got the gift of the gab. Mm. So I suppose, um, I think the bar that I got sent to, to go and chase up this Colin or whoever I'd asked for, in there, he was, he. I think I'd spoken to him and then went back in there and sort of befriended him, like I did when I was 18, when mm. I left home befriended the owner of the bar and sort of got myself, mm. you know, it's a situation, right? There's, a, there's an opportunity there. And I think I started working in there. In fact, I did. Did you get back to selling no, I cannabis again? No, pills. No. Pills, was it? Pills in when the bar. Did you, how did you get involved in the pill game? Well, I was running a bar in, in, in around the back of, do you know you know the London pub it was? Yep. So around the back, there's a real shitty fucking alley mm. of little bars. Yeah. Most of it is. Yeah. Yeah, but, but there's literally yeah. right at the very yeah. back of it. I think they've closed it off. I remember going back there about 15 years ago mm. and it's all closed off now. <clears> and I thought, really? We're running a bar in there. It mm. looks, like a, looks like a fucking yeah. den of iniquity. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was a little bar there. And of course, because you've always got people coming in and out, yeah, we got to know the Scousers, all the Scousers and the Cockneys, all the Londoners. They're, everybody was doing business Everyone down was at there. it. Scousers yep. were doing pills. They come in, ended up giving me some. And so it all sort of, then I just ended up doing dealing pills out of the bar, which most people were, to mm. be honest. Um, Do and you I remember how much they were back in the day? 10, 15 euros? I don't, I don't even know that they would have been that. Would they, would they have been that? Don't know. No, mate, they can't have been that. It'd be don't five know. euros, mate. Maybe 10, maybe yeah. five okay. or 10 euros. And I would have been paying a euro, euro. Okay. probably something like that. How did that How did that business escalate for you? Um, it didn't really, because we're just fucking taking pills all the time, going out four, day, four days, four days of the trot, no sleep, eating, eating them like Smarties. They suited me. Yeah. They suited me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> suit me better than alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. fucking love amphetamine. Yeah. I mean, like, so, so, you know, and of course, now I understand why. Mm. ADHD, amphetamine, it sort of works, mm. right? Um, but yeah, we just, we just used to eat them, like literally like Smarties, that, mm. um, microdots. Mm. Um, and so I would end up trading some of them off for, for microdots and things like that. I knew mm. somebody else that had those and we just basically cane them. So mm. I was known as Mr. E, the dancing barman, mm. right? Mr. Uh, Elliot and E sort of went yeah. hand in hand, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, but in being in that bar, did it escalate? It did escalate because it went from pills to then meeting somebody that had been to Morocco a couple of times mm. and had been up into the mountains. And I was fucking fascinated by this mm. up into the mountains to go and buy his, his yeah. gear from there. Mm. Right. I say gear, not, not Coke. So everybody sort of thinks of gear as Coke these days. Um, but cannabis resin. Yeah. Numero uno. Pollen that is basically squeezed into caramellos, like little sort of five gram sort of caramel, little sort of like almost sweet size, yeah. hence why they're called that. Um, and and he had this stuff and this was amazing. This is the best smoke I'd ever had, mm. right? So so I, so I said, listen, I'd love to come over there and do that. And he was paying, he was paying, what, 150 pound a kilo? And he was saying, uh, it was back in Bristol, it was worth seven and a half grand a kilo. Mm. That's good fucking margin, I want a bit of that. So we organized a trip over there and I went over there with him. Nickname was Slug, because he used to he used to do that all the time. 
So I used to, I called him Slug. <laughs> which I can't remember his name. Yeah. Pete, I think. Um, anyway. Um, I, don't think I don't think he would have told you his name. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, he, he used to come into the bar all the time. But um, but yeah, so we, so we basically got, we went over there um, and we would have got the ferry over there. Mm. Uh, and then you get a taxi from... So you've gone from South of Spain, so South of Spain across on a, on a ferry, ferry to Tangiers in Morocco. Tangiers. Yeah. And in Tangiers, get a taxi. Yeah. And you get in a taxi and he knows where he's going. And he's, and you basically, there is one route up into the... I think it's the Kif Mountains, mm -hmm. isn't it? You know, um, up to a place called Belberet, Chef Sharon is where where the sort of weed is. Still, I still grow it now. Uh, but that's where we were going. And there's one route, you sort of, the route, right, I remember the road splits off and that one road goes up into the mountains. So I've gone up with Pete and and it's and it's getting darker and darker and you're going up these roads and it's pitch fucking black. You can see the mountainside going up there and it's a sheer drop down the other side of the taxi. And, um, and as you're going up this track, which is just wide enough for a car, you've got these Golf GTIs and things that every so often will start bibbing behind you, right? Flashing their lights and they overtake on a bit that just gets wide enough and then stop the taxi. And it's like, what the fuck's going on here? And, it, and, and what they're doing is they want you to buy from their farm. So they're, they're, they're out there poaching business mm. on these fucking roads, this road that's literally no wider than a car. They've got these little bits that are a lot, and they literally stop you. So what you do is you wait till they stop and the taxi drivers are pretty, pretty savvy. Mm. They then go round that which is a dodgy, which mm. is dodgy on a road that's not very right. And that happens, and of course, the first time you're doing this, I'm shitting my pants. I have mm. no idea what the fuck's going on here. That probably happened three or four times on this road that goes on for probably an hour, hour and a half, mm. right? And then suddenly he, he tells the taxi driver to slow down. We go over this, what looks like the edge of the road, and it opens up. And I remember the trees and the lit up church, and then he gets these big metal gates. And, and the big metal, he gets out, big metal gates open. It's nighttime. Drive in, and um, and then we stay there for the night, right? So, so we're going to stay there for the night. So there's like an area where you, where there's a load of people sort of staying. They're workers basically. Um, and net, wake up the next morning, and it's a it's fucking stunning. Dodge this. I never forget how stunning it is up there. Like you're talking, it's mountains and the and the sort of the the mist lifts lifts off. I remember the mist lifting off, and and for, as far as I can see, it's green, right? Lush valleys. Mountains behind you, lush valleys, mountains in the back in the background, but just stunning. And as you're looking at the green, you're realizing that there's weed. And these plants are probably waist high at that mm. stage, the first time we go up there. Mm. Um, but they would have had another crop. So we end up staying there for like three or four days and watch them make make the stuff. So they beat the plants and get all the all the pollen out. Mm. And then what they do is they then squeeze that over over, in essence, vapor like hot steam basically yep. until they turn it into that. Wrap it in wrap it in cling film. Yep. And then we're gonna swallow that and then stick up, which is really fucking yeah. unpleasant every time I fucking talk about it, which yeah. is not very often. Oh, makes my ass clench. <laughs> Dude, oh, you, weren't, well, you weren't working a nine bar up there, were you? Oh, fuck, it wasn't a nine bar, but it felt like it. <laughs> three, 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 throwing a sausage down the Bengaloo line. Like, for, <laughs> might be these days after that. <laughs> but they're three, three, three sort of round yeah. sausages, basically yeah. hard that you you push up there, and it's like put like imagine putting three pool balls in a no, sock, no. like that. It's that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uncomfortable, mm. and then swallowing stuff with honey. So you're swallowing these things with honey as well to get them down. You've got to empty your system out, yeah. basically. And I can't remember how much we would have had in there. But you, you probably, I don't know. It doesn't matter how much. Yeah. 
But uh, you know, between us, maybe maybe a, a key and a half, maybe a key and a quarter. I can't mm. I, I can't imagine how much you would have in, in, mm. inside you. It doesn't matter how much. But, you know, good margin. Yeah. Get back in the taxi. Of course, honestly, you, all, you, all you do want to do is your body wants to reject this yeah. stuff. You want to shit it out. Yeah. So you're in the back of the taxi, clenching for two hours. Yeah. Get, get back down to Al, 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 Algiers. Yeah. I'd forgot the name of where it was, to mm. be honest, but you're right. Get on the ferry. And the ferry back. This is a long journey. Yeah. Then get back to the apartment. Shit these things out. Wait until everything passes through your system. And then pack those into fucking tins. Okay. Right? <clears throat> Now, I learned this off what is my oldest son's mother because she'd been doing this stuff for years. <laughs> Let's give her a shout out. I'm not going to mention talk about this, no. <laughs> we, we, We'll talk about this in a little while now. I mean, this, this, we'll talk about this in a little while. Um, so, you pack it in, in, into, into what, in essence, were those tins that you get olives in. Yeah. So pack those in. You'd open up the, the the top part of the tin, and then you do it in such a way that when you put the two bits of tins together, it looks like a full tin, and yeah. you pack it tight, right? Um, pack those. Literally, stick those in a suitcase, and then fly them back. So of course, we come back, go back to there, sell sell that. So then you were flying back to England, flying back to the UK. Okay, so you're going to the source and doing it yourself. Yeah. Okay. Flying it back to the yeah. UK. Yeah. But in, into into Bristol, into Bristol. Um, I can't remember what airport we would have flown into. It doesn't really matter. Um, and then flown into into there. And uh, and son, that we've probably done that a couple of times. A month or so later, a couple of guys come into the bar, um, and this is where things fucking move up a gear. Because I end up meeting Russ, Russell Tate, mm. um, Pat Tate's Pat Tate's brother, Pat Tate's younger brother, Pat Tate's younger brother. Yeah, um, and Russ and I go on straight away, like he's millionaire fucking smile. Yeah. Um, Great guy, great sense of humor, big guy. Um, but we just got on really, really well. And um, and so he knew that we'd done it. We were chatting about this and, you know, I didn't know about Pat at this, this stage. Russ didn't keep his, you know, his personal life and stuff. He sort of kept apart. He was quite separate to Pat, to be mm. fair. You know, they, they have different crews completely. Mm. Um, and so he knew about that. And I'd done this trip. And then one of the trips... Um, I told him about because we'd had to go to Amsterdam. Um, we didn't have to go to Amsterdam. We went to Amsterdam to try and sell this stuff, thinking Amsterdam, you can sell this fucking yeah. gear, no problem at all. Nobody wants to buy off you mm. because they've all got their own people to buy yeah. off, right? Still, these to this day, yeah. exactly the same. They buy a bit of personal. So, of course, we've taken all the stuff out of these tins in, in the dam in this fucking hotel room, and then I've got to get it back. But I can't get it back into these tins. I don't have all the stuff to do it in a hotel room. I had everything we could in the apartment to make these tins mm. up. And I've literally gone, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to wrap it in a towel in my suitcase. What can I do? I've got no choice. We need to get back to the UK and sell this stuff and get back to Spain because we're running out of money. We can't sell it in Amsterdam. We've been there about two weeks. Um, and so we've got a KLM City Hopper, which is like a 10-seater or 12-seater or something, from Amsterdam into Bristol Airport. All this stuff's just in, wrapped in a, in a towel in my suitcase. Um, got to Bristol. And because they're little planes, <laughs> fuck you know. Fuck's sake. Because they're little planes, right? My fucking case isn't put on the fucking same plane. So it's not come, it's not come through. Oh, so I've spoken, joking, I've spoken to them. I've said, and I don't know whether to speak to them or not, yeah, Dodge. Like, do fear, I fucking ask them? Yeah. Or are they waiting for me to turn up to say, is, is that in my case? I'll be, so what, I'll I'm only straight up, out of the airport. I'm open, but I didn't. Yeah, okay. And they said, oh, no, I think your, your case has been put on the next plane. It'll be about an hour if you want to wait or we can send it to you. And I'm like, fucking send it to me. Do I wait? Do yeah. I? 
I mate, I let my mate go. I say, listen, you go. And I'm waiting there and I'm shitting myself. Like, I don't know whether to go. And I've probably spent a lot, probably an hour or two hours wondering whether to go, stay, go, yeah. stay. And I'm thinking money. <laughs> There's yeah. fucking money in that case. Mm. And there was probably, there would have been at least 15, there probably would have been 12, 12 grand. 12 grand's worth yeah. of gear in that case, basically. Yeah. And I thought, fuck it. And I don't know why I, I had self-belief. And do you know what? I did as well. I think that's the thing is I believed. And I just, I had complete belief that it would happen. The planes landed, and this fucking customs officer, chief customs officer, is walking towards me with my suitcase, like walking towards just deadpan looking at me. And I'm thinking, I'm fucking done here, aren't I? But I've got to, I've got, I've now got to wait. I can't run. I can't go anywhere because I, if I am, it, I've got to just wait it out. And he walks up to me and gives me a case. I'm really sorry about this, Mr. Brown. Gives me a fucking case. If only he'd known. Oh. And I walk out of the airport. So I call, so I'm telling Russ about this, recounting this like it's fucking funny, mm. and he's going, "Yeah, he's obviously thought we could, we, you know, you could, you could fucking do some, make some money here. Yeah. You clearly got some bollocks." And so that is where I then got some connections in Essex, and obviously had them in Spain as well, to then start driving fucking slightly larger amounts back to mm. the UK, and that's where that sort of journey started, mate. Mm. To be honest, um. And that's where it is. We probably started with 20 key. Had a had a Astra van. Um, bought that at some auctions. Chelsea, probably Chelmsford car auctions, I would have thought. Um, where there was loads of knocked off fucking cars going through the auctions, right? Mm -hmm. And and in and in the and in these um Astra vans, right, behind the back seats, it's the same body as a as an Astra estate. So you've got a cutout, haven't you, where the back seats would sit. So behind behind the seats, you, you're nodding like you fucking know this shit as well. Yeah, you see, so behind the seats, there's this gap. For, and you can, apparently, you could fit about 140 key in there. So I, I, I created a panel, um, you put 20, 30 key in to start off with, get that back to Essex, because I had contacts there through, obviously, through certain people. Through who? Um, through, through Russ. Through so Russell. Russ inter introduced okay. me to, to people, basically. Did Russ introduce you to his brother, Pat Tate? Um, I did meet Pat about yeah. three, four weeks before he got shot. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was literally sat on the couch and that Range Rover was literally sat on Russell, Russ's drive. Was um, it? Yeah, about three, four weeks before, before. And I took the, I took the news to Russ. What, you took the news that I was, I was sat, his brother got shot with I was sat, Tony Tucker and Craig Rolfe? I was sat in, um, in a bar, in a, having breakfast with, um, yeah, with Jess. Uh, Jess is who? My son's mother, oldest son's yeah. mother. Um, yeah, I sat in, I sat having a but I don't really buy newspapers, but I bought the Sun for some reason, and I, had, I don't know why, but I didn't really notice the picture on the front. But it was a Range Rover. I don't know. I didn't put two and two together at that stage. I don't think you would have done. No. Why would you do? Yeah. Um, front page newspaper. Sat there having breakfast, and I'm reading it. And as I'm reading it, I'm just sort of scanning it. Really, I've read Pat Tate, Craig Rolfe, Tony Tucker, and I'm like fucking read it again. I'm like fuck, fuck. It's fucking happened. And the reason I'm saying it's happened is there had been rumours that, that there was shit going down in Essex anyway. Like There was stuff going on then, wasn't there? Mm. And I have to be honest with you, I feared that it could even be fucking us at one point because you never know who you're mixing with, who you're dealing with. You know, we had to fucking have a, we had to have a gun in, Sp in Spain, I had to have a gun in the UK because when you're moving bags of fucking uh, of stuff, 100 grand's worth or 50 grand's worth, whatever, 30 grand's worth, you got to just, you know, I'm not Billy fucking big bollocks carrying a gun around. What the fuck? What's a mm. dickhead? Um, it's a great way to get shot, to be honest. Mm. But yeah, so sat there and I've gone, fuck. 
and I've and I've gone down to go. Yeah. Russ Russ was down on the south coast at the same time. I knew where he was. Uh, Lost Beliches way somewhere, I think. And um, drove down. It was a weird day, mate. It was a weird day because I think he expected something might happen. Um, and so I told him. I, I remember him opening the door and I said, "Look, dude, your your fucking brother's your brother's been shot." Gave him the newspaper, and we went on a bender that day. And it was one of those. You know when you look at certain English gangster films where there's moments where where it, shit just hits the fan, and it's and it was like um, one minute we're fucking high, probably doing coke. I would have thought and drink and drinking Jack Daniels because that was my drink of choice at the time. We would have got fucked up that day, and one minute we'd have been laughing, the next minute he'd have been crying. Fuck, you know what is one of those? Because yeah. um, although he wasn't necessarily close to his brother, he said his brother, right? Yeah. Um, and that was in the December, and we'd been, you know, we'd been moving a bit, bit, bit back at that that stage, um, driving back and forth, building the building the sort of, you know, the amount up. But yeah, that was a weird day, mate. That mm. was a weird, weird fucking day. Russ obviously flew back and had to deal with things. Um, yeah, that was, and it, it would be that was December, wasn't it? Mm. 1995. 1995, yeah. Mm. What was bubbling? You said a minute ago things were bubbling around Essex that time. Did you get a feel that things weren't right? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Russ and I were, you know, we were pretty close. Or as close as I thought we were. Yeah, probably you're not as close as I, I thought I was then. Yeah. But we were pretty close. Mm. I mean, I, you know, I stayed with his you know, family. I knew his wife and kids and stuff, you know. So, um, you know, I think we even like, spent Christmas, well, probably even spent Christmas there and stuff, you know, in Benf Benfleet area, somewhere mm. around there. Um, and I, do you know what? I, I, I never had an issue with Russ. I think yeah, he was pretty fiery, but I never had an issue with him. But um, but yeah, but so there would definitely be talks of what's going on, and you know, I would we would go out at times, and of course you'd overhear bits of conversations, and I was out of him. We'd be get we'd be out in I don't know there was Raquel's, but places like that, mm. you know, uh, the stuff that was at the South End clubs and stuff. You'd be going out to places mm. like that occasionally, and of course you're mixing with people, you get introduced. But I must have looked like the right, I was right, looked like, like the lackey, mustn't yeah. I? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking twenty, twenty-one years old, mm. little fucking geeky glasses, mm. um, and um, and sort of hanging around with these fucking big guys, basically, um, trying trying to be Charlie Big Potatoes, mm. but I'm not, mm. and. Um, so yeah, there was definitely a sort of a, a thing going around, and and, and of, of course, so I, you know, Russ would tell you about Pat going into you know a pizza place or kicking off in a fucking restaurant and stuff like that. And his brother, his son, was actually getting some stick at school because of his uncle, basically. And yeah. which you can imagine in real well, world Russell's now, Russell's son was getting Russell's stick, son was getting stick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, because you're yeah. going to get certain kids at school, aren't you? You look back now and you yeah. think that makes sense yeah. at the time. Russell then kick off and. Go and see one of their parents. Yeah. I'm sure, but anyway, so that was that was that. So I was fairly close to him, you know. We were we were sort of mates, um, and um, yeah, and so we built up. What was Pat like when you met him? Uh, yeah, dude, it, 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 he took up a fuck. He took up the sofa. Yeah, he was a big guy. Mm. He was a big guy. I was intimidated. In fact, they probably asked me to leave the room at one point. I would have thought because you know he sort of introduced me to Pat, and I do remember his handshake, big hands, right? Um, but I wouldn't have been in the room very long. Mm -hmm. I think I would have been sat there, and then we just sort of you know, do you mind sort of leaving us to it? Mm -hmm. um, so I, it wasn't like I was privy to you know conversation stuff. And they didn't. That was the only time I'd ever saw them together. It's like literally they weren't together very often. Mm -hmm. They ge genuinely didn't really get on very well. I don't think. Not that I think Pat got on with everybody, to mm -hmm. be honest. You know. Um, so it was a, it was a brief meeting, um, but weird when I think weird later on years later when you see the film come out and you think fuck me I was sat there only, not only week only weeks prior to that 
um, of how close that could be. Um, so anyway, because we're going to go into mm. this could, could take a while, right? Mm. We, we we get past Christmas, so that Christmas is ha- that that's happened, and then you know, I'm then I'm Jessica is then she's coming into the into the car with me. She hadn't done initially. Doesn't really matter up to this point because I could go into so much detail because um, it's bringing so much back. I have to be honest with you. In fact, it was on the drive, drive here. I was thinking of things um, because I've masked and hidden this stuff for a long time. Yeah. You know, friend, close friends and family know a lot of this thing, these things, and I've spoke about it on stage a little bit on Clubhouse, but really not a lot. Even, you even, you a couple of years ago, you even said, "Yeah, speak about it," and I was like, "Oh, I don't know." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's February. Yeah. And 1996. 1996 was a bitch. Yeah. 95 came alive. 96 was a bitch. <laughs> yeah, fuck me. <laughs> uh, it's February, beginning of February. And um, we Did drive- you have the fear at all? No. When they got, when the lads got uh, well, shot and that was going on. Oh, you had, yeah, you yeah, link, yeah. You had a link with Russ, the brother. Did you think, hold on a minute. Yeah. I, I could get a clobber deal. I'm going to get a tug or someone's on me or. Dude, I'm not being funny, but I was like that before. Yeah, okay. I mean, I had. I didn't talk about this recently. I had eczema in my, my forehead a little bit uh, from stress. Um, you're constantly looking in your rearview mirror. You're constantly looking over your shoulder. You're constantly driving around the fucking estates before getting back. You're, you know, of course. You never know whether you're going to get robbed by somebody or whether you're going to get nicked, mm. do you? Mm. You know, leaving that airport that day, I, I think I was probably looking over my shoulder for two days thinking, well, if they do know something, they could be following me from that airport in Bristol. And that's early before I even started driving the stuff back, yeah. you know. But I didn't trust anybody else to drive it. That was my biggest problem. Mm. Everybody's going, why don't you just get somebody else to drive now? I'm like, fucking who am I going to trust to drive that? Really? Mm. Um, so it's February. And um, we set off uh, in a white Astra van. And um, it was a beautiful, beautiful day, actually. So it was nice on the south coast. And you drive up through Spain at that time of year, you're going to hit four seasons going up, going up into the mountains. And we, of course, we didn't go through the normal border, right? The big borders, like uh, Bordeaux. Mm. Because... Well, why the fuck would you? When you've got all these little borders in the Pyrenees um, that you can drive through, and there's no there's no customs post there. What's warming you to go to, to France? Well, because you've drive, got to drive through France yeah. to get back to the UK. Yeah. So you've got to drive all the way back. Mm. I'm not going to get a ferry in um, in the north of Spain. And around and up. Which I suppose you could do, yeah. but then you've got customs to go yeah. through. Yeah. So, yes, it's a, excuse me, yes, it's a three-day drive, but if it felt safer, yeah, of course, hundred yeah, percent, yeah. of course. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you're driving, and it's and it's a beautiful drive. I used to love, love doing the drive. Yeah. So you drive, you know, you're going up, and 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 so you come through the Zaragoza Desert. It's it, you know, and then you start changing. You come up into the mountains, and as we're driving up into the mountains, it's getting colder and colder. It's February time, and then there's getting more and more snow. And there was like a, f- a fucking snowstorm. So it's me, Jessica is with me, um, and she's three three months pregnant at the time as well, by the way. Um, and so we're, we're driving back, and then and it's the heavy. The snow's that heavy. The normal border we go through, um, the the roads close going up to it. And I know that if we go back onto the main drag, that that border there's a mm. customs post there because mm. there's a couple of main ones in the Pyrenees, but then there's some small ones which are just for tourists driving yeah. through. You drive through, you don't even know you're from one country to yeah. the next. Have you ever, ever been been up driven mm. through those? Yeah. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful up there, man. Yeah. Valleys, fucking waterfalls coming over the roads, like stunning, right? Mm. It's absolutely stunning. Um, so we pulled into a hotel uh, because we, I was nowhere I was going to go through, thinking it might clear, we might get through another border. Stayed at a hotel for the night. Um, and I said, why don't we just go skiing for a couple of days or something, you know, just just stay here. Um, but 
we sort of had to get back because I think we'd arranged to meet somebody um, at that, you know, a couple of days later because we've got a reasonable amount with us and we want to shift this stuff as quickly as possible. I don't like, I never like holding on to it, right? You want to get back and get it gone. So um, we stay in, the, stay in the hotel for the night and I get up the next morning and I, and I remember this so fucking vividly. It was, the, the restaurant was really, really quiet, which was bizarre, but then it doesn't matter. It was really quiet. I remember all of the napkins. I remember everything laid out. I remember this restaurant. I remember everything being white. And I almost remember the big windows going out onto what was the car park to see the, see the van. And it was all white outside as well. So I just remember it was really, really white. Like it was just like virginal white. Mm. It was pure. And we were chatting, chatting. I'm talking to Jessica and I'm going, I've I, I, I got a bad, I just, I just not got a great feeling. I, I, I think we should just stay here for a couple of days. And then she's going, well, yeah, but if we go back, you know, you'd be all right, blah, blah, blah. And if we could just go through that other, other border, spoke to the hotel guy, hotel guy and he said, well, no, listen, you can go back to the other one. Um, I didn't tell him, you can go through the other border. Um, we're not going to question why we, sh if we want to go through another one, but he said, go through the other border. And I don't think I would have ever asked him if there was anybody there. And, um, and my gut instinct is just telling me that it's not a good idea. And, and and I said I said to Jessica, if we go through today, this would be my last breakfast in freedom. And the, I, those words will never leave me. In fact, it could well be the name of a book. Mm. And and I was so sure of it, I have no fucking idea why I went to, why I went to, why I went against my gut, gut instinct. The stupidest fucking thing ever. Like what the fuck? Mm. But we did. We got in the car, and I and I knew. I just my instinct was just bad. It was just, like alarm bells are ringing, and and as we got there, there's of course there's a bit of traffic because everybody's going through this this border, um, and once you're there, you can't fucking. You could turn around, but it just did. He looks sus, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> And so, of course, then then they're, they're letting everybody through, mm. and they pull one, but you know, they let everybody in. They pull somebody up in, over in front of us because they pulled out in front of us. I think, oh, we can be okay. And fuck for that, because it's a numbers game, mm. right? But they don't. They pull us over as well. And and at this this is a stage where, for some unknown reason, it it's like you think you're still going to get away with it. Your brain's telling you you're going to get away with it. Because I've obviously done a few things before and got away with it, right? And there've probably been some hairy moments, I'm sure, going through borders before. And and then they've got us out of the car. And we stood there, stood there by the van, and uh, they've gone. They've, they've had a look round. They've pulled everything out the back of the van, and they've sent the dog in. And the dog's basically, I don't know whether it's reacting, so I'm not sure how they're supposed to react. But taking the dog out, and then he's the one of the customs guys. And I remember him now. He's gone round and he's basically looked behind the front seats and he's seen this panel isn't quite right. Rather than even ripping that panel up, the other guy's brought a crowbar around, hasn't he? And so he's basically crowbarred up the fucking floor and then start pulling out these oh, fucking packs, 110 fucking kilos of it. And, and I wrapped all those fuckers as well. The thing that was going through my head is all that hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I was thinking all that hard work because the dog wouldn't didn't pick it up. Yeah, vaselined up, strapped like the, the in plastic bags, mm. backpack, the whole fucking lot. Like it was well done, mm. and I'd I'd been meticulous about that, but I hadn't been meticulous enough about the the detail, had I? So yeah, 110 kilos. So they of course they cart me off, and I've and I've said she didn't know anything about it. Or Jessica didn't know anything at all. Um, but the French don't give a fuck, yeah. to be honest. So they bang us bang us both up again. You don't know what's going to happen initially. They don't tell you what's going to happen. They don't send you to court. You go straight into a place called Po. So this is in Oloron, this uh, this border. 
Pau, P-A-U, I think it was called, mm. um, and then put us in in a, in a, in a police station and then in, then in prison, basically. And do you know what? You know, telling me about my eczema, mm. within days of being in there, it cleared. Because mm. I had nothing to fucking worry about Relief. anymore. Maybe there's a bit of relief in I, there. I, and, and a few people have said to me, what was, what was, you know, that no, what was French prison like? And I was like, do you know, it was all right. As I got there, it was okay. It was, I, I think because I'd done something before that was far worse, mm. the prisons were far worse, that actually was okay. Mm. Um, and and so Jessica and I, you know, we they were Did allowed... Jess know you were she carrying? Knew. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay. yeah, of course. Okay. I took the rap completely yeah. and I kept telling the police, she doesn't know, let her go. Mm. I knew, she had no idea at all. Why did you, why did you have Jess with you? Because it looks better with more than one person. Hmm. Got camping gear in the back and stuff. You go a bit just just on your own in a little van looks a bit sus, yeah, right? Okay. And we had loads of fags and stuff in the back, so we we're just driving backwards and forwards, yeah. you know, going going away, going away. Um, yeah. Well, they they gave me four years, and they gave her two. Oh man, they gave Jess two, and she's pregnant. So they moved us to Bordeaux. They moved her to Bordeaux initially. And when I found out, one of the screws basically come and knocked on the door and said, you, she, you know, Jessica's been moved. Because I said to him, if, if she ever gets moved, let me know. Because they move people without, no, yeah. without letting you know, right? Yeah. And I remember kicking the fucking door, kicking shit out of the door. And I yeah. was a really calm prisoner, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very respectful. I know, you know, treat them fucking right. They treat you yeah. right, right? Don't suck up to them. But, yeah. you know, be just be a decent person. Yeah. And... Um, and this one night, though, he fucking came in and said, I'm going to have to restrain you if you keep... And he and he was getting threatening. And this guy was... Sikopat... No, that's Sikopat or somebody else. But he's big, he's a big guy. It doesn't matter. Um, fucking brings back so much stuff. Anyway, um, I'd kick shit out the door because I wanted to get, get moved because they'd moved her. And they said, listen, she, I think she's going to go... She's going into labour. So, or that she's going to in a few days. So they've moved her to Bordeaux. We can't deal with her here. Um, and so, of course, then I, I kicked up utter shit to get moved. And they did move me. By the time I got moved, she'd already given birth. I wouldn't have been there anyway. So she gave birth in prison? In the in They put her in Bordeaux prison, um, in a hospital. They took her to the hospital in Bordeaux. And then they put her back in prison with the baby. Yeah. <sighs> with my son. Yeah. Mate. Yeah. So she did. That, is, that, when, is, that is, that's, that's brutal. brutal. It is brutal, yeah. Um, I, I think I met him and, and I saw her for the first time. I think he was about a week old. Um, so there was into prison sort of visits. They just they literally chained me up and everything, travel, trained me from where I was to, to where she was, which is a 20 minute drive, um, literally handcuffed and leg cuffed and fucking the works so I could have a, a, a 20 minute visit with her. And obviously we were putting these like sort of little kin, little cage, meeting cage things. Um, and, uh, and sort of obviously I held him for the first time when he was about a week old. Um, and then she, yeah, she would have, she did, what he would have done six months of his life in there, for so first six of his six months of his life he would have spent behind bars, yeah. And they, she she did a year. She got out after a year. Um, yeah, France was weird, you know. It was it was all right. It, I I got really fucking fit in there actually, mm. but I got I worked in there as well. I got jobs in there and stuff. But you did know, you not have, did you not have any guilt? Yeah, I'll make all bringing your missus. Yeah, hundred percent. When you're carrying on a job like that, carrying 110 kilos, what was that worth? 110 kilos back then? Yeah, a quarter, million, quarter of a million quid. Mm. A quarter of a million quid, as it stood. Yeah. Street value. They, I think the French value did it. Fucking some stupid amount of money, like a million pounds or something like that. Which you, you know, probably more than that actually, yeah. if you think about it, because they would do it like by gram, don't yeah. they? I suppose. Mm. Um, so to us, it was worth quarter of a million quid. Yeah, and we'd already massed some money anyway. Yeah. 
But that was going to be the last fucking one. I know everybody says this. That was genuinely... But would it have been the last yeah, one? Yeah, 100% because, because I was then going to collaborate. Yeah. And then there would have been boats and planes and bits and pieces like that. So mm-hmm. it would be... It was, that was the bit that got you into the next... Next level. Into the next level. Yeah. But the next level, what would that have done for me, Dodge? Mm. People getting fucking shot. Mm. Would I have died? Mm-hmm. Would I have done a l- longer term at some stage? Or would you have borrowed money off someone to do a bigger job and then get nicked? Someone, I mean, you're yeah. paying someone to get nicked, they got nicked, then you're due that fellow half a bar, or half a mill, or a mill, or whatever. And that's the be. problem. Yeah. You never would have known. Yeah. Because I knew Russ um, about, um, so, I, so I did two and a half years, but two, about, probably about 18 months, two years in, Russ and the ex girlfriend that I moved to Spain with, who'd doesn't matter what happened, but Russ had ended up going out with her best mate. Um, long story, doesn't really matter what happened, but but they were doing other stuff that I was unaware of. I sort of knew bits and pieces, but they were doing their own thing, right? Um, and th- they'd got Nick, so his solicitor had contacted me um, to do a... Um, like a written a written thing saying that I wasn't doing business because they were trying to pin me and Russ together. Yeah, okay. And do you know why? One, I'd been I'd been pulled over speeding in the BM that I'd had off him, which was a seven seventy five BM. But also, even back fucking then, they had phone records. And they they knew that we'd been in similar places at similar times. So they thought that we had been working together. Um and so they were trying to pin him on not just uh, probably other stuff as well, but I was aware, but trying to pin him with me so that it was, uh, and they'd been caught with a little bit, but it was a conspiracy, a conspiracy thing really. Um, and they'd only hadn't been caught with a lot, but they'd been following boats and planes and bits and pieces for quite a while. And, um, and so his solicitor uh, uh, came over to see me and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll happily do a, do you know say that I was I wasn't involved with him and you know yes he was a mate of mine and blah so so I did a written thing um, and I was expecting my wisdom teeth to be removed one day and um, and so they uh, they they called me I'm up in the north by the way this time I've gone from the south after Jessica was released released spent some time in Fresnes which was in Paris that was fucking shocking <laughs> like that fucking shocking prison. what the nick the prison was yeah mate was it awful. Okay. Yeah, like proper Victorian, old school. Yeah. Like you, you had to, you couldn't look at the screws and stuff. Like it was, we're there for about three months. But a lot of people travel through there, pass yeah. through there. Um, yeah, nasty place. And, and then to the north, Gradignan, I think it was called. Um, and so, and that in essence is where they released a lot of the people that were, you know, being caught down the south. They move them up to north so they don't have to travel so far. Um, and so they, they come and collect me one day. And, um, and I just assume I'm going to go and have my wisdom teeth removed because I was due to. And as we're driving around the corner, and in a, I'm in a police in a police van on their own, and I'd recognised two officers in the front. But you sort of you see a lot of these, you know, so you don't really think much of it. And as we're pulling round, I've realised why I recognise one of them when I see two English number plates in the car park of a police station, which we're now pulling into. And there's me thinking I'm getting my I'm getting my fucking wisdom teeth removed. And I thought, what the fuck? This is fuck two and two. Mm. They are trying to pin fucking things on Russ. English, these guys, they're the guys that caught me. They're the, these are the two guys that come up all the way that caught, that nicked me a year or two previously with the gear. Mm. Um, and so they put me in a room, and I remember this, concrete block in the floor, handcuffed to it, two English customs or police, whoever the fuck they were, 
proper dickheads as well. Like re- really aggressive. Probably trying to scare me, I think. Mm. I sat on one side. And the other two on the other side, the two, the two guys that nicked me two years mm. before. And, and they're questioning me. And then and they're they're asking me and I'm going, they, they said, well, they said in your statement, you said you didn't know who it was for. And I went, well, yeah, I was kind of trying to fucking get, get out, get away with it. And they're, they're going, well, you're saying now it's yours. And I'm going, well, yeah, of course I'm saying it's fucking mine because it was mine. And they're saying, but you're saying you, saying you didn't, you weren't doing this with Russ. I went, no, I wasn't doing it with Russ. We see you've done a statement you know, how about if we can try and get you released immediately if you say you were, I was like, why the fuck am I going to say that? Why do I want to, I wasn't, I wasn't in the same business as him. Mm-hmm. Just because we were mates and I know certain people does not mean I was doing this with him. And they, were, they, they grilled me for two hours. It got pretty aggressive as well. Um, and then just took me back to the police station. So they really tried to pin that, uh, pin them yeah. on me. I mean, Russ, <clears throat> I think Russ ended up going down for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. A conspiracy thing in the UK, and the girls ended up doing some time as well. My ex girlfriend and and stuff, not Jessica, yeah, but my ex girlfriend from the years previously, yeah, yeah. and her best mate who was going out with Russ. Yeah. Um, you know they were going out with each other. So, listen, I was not a good career criminal, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole two years inside, yeah, yeah. was um, I, I didn't know what I was going to do though, but I didn't want to continue doing what I was doing. It wasn't like I was in there. And I think the first time I got nicked, I was like, I, I could see opportunities while I was down on the South Coast. This time I was like, two and a half years? Nah, this is not for me. Um, and there was guys in there that had been done for more time. I actually didn't do too bad, really, because if you'd been caught about a year previously, they were doing much harsher. harsher I was about sentences. to say, four years yeah. is uh, quite was light it, for Kelly yeah. and that amount of 110. It, yeah. it was probably, they, they'd relaxed it a little bit. Yeah. So it was, I was more than most, but I don't, because it was because most people were like 60, 70 kilos and I was 110. I got the top of what people were getting. A lot of people were getting sort of three years, but there was lads in there that were caught two years previously with less getting six, right, but okay. they were relaxing it a little bit more, yeah. I think, at the time. So I was, was I lucky or not? I don't know, mate. It still feels like a long fucking time, two yeah. and a half years. Um, and of course, you know, when I got out, I, I thought, is, this is not the life for me. Um, and I had to figure out what the fuck I was going to do. Well, that's where the journey started, I suppose, mm. really. Mm. What was that feeling like? Getting out? No. Copper coming around, sniffer dog, bang pop and then pulling it out what what was that going through your mind at that moment i've recounted this on stage mm. your mouth goes really dry it's weird i remember i remember my mouth going really dry and um there's a there's an like an empty pit feet like pit, you feel really hungry like sick hungry sort of weird um and but also you the, i think you still think you're going to get away with it and you still think there's a glimmer of a hope something might happen, you might get away with it. So I think the brain focuses on the fact that you might get away with it, not the fact that you're nicked. And that's all I can think of is that I just thought still at that stage, and I think even in the police cell, you still think, if I keep telling them something, they might believe it. I might be okay. I might be all right. Mm. Like being outside of a headmaster's office, I'm going to get away with this. Mm. So I'm going to be okay. I might get into trouble a little bit, but I'm going to go. I think your brain goes to that sort of almost like a childlike sort of mentality where you think you're still going to get away with it. That's how I think I felt. Mm. How's it been? How old were you when you had to tell your boy that he was born in prison? Um, I think I told I told Reese. His mum never told him. Um, he'd heard a few things of of his family, uh, but but didn't didn't really question it. Um, I, I think I told him. He's twenty seven now, so I think I told him when he was about nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, I wanted to tell him beforehand, but. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, Jessica's uh, Jessica didn't want him, want him to know, but he knew already. I think. Yeah, he knew already. How do you think he knew? Because I think things were said. Okay. He lives up the overheard. North. He, he lives up in the north of Wales, and all they fucking do up there is drink and take drugs. Anyway, yeah. apologies to anybody listening. It's the north of Wales, but you know it's all true, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, there's a, they, there's they, there's it's a quite close knit community. People fucking knew stuff about Jessica. How do you think he feels now? As an adult, knowing that he was born in prison, <sighs> Mate, he's a rough, he's a very rough diamond. My, yeah, my okay. oldest, very rough. Yeah, and, and that's probably calling a rough diamond is probably a, it's probably a lighter. He's he's not he's he's not got the best genes. Yeah, unfortunately, his mother and him have the same genes. Uh, let's not go into the, the you know the the details there, but yeah, he's 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 aggressive. I don't think it comes from that. Mm. Um, well, you, yeah, I don't know. We don't know. You don't, we know. don't know. Yeah. But he's he'd been in trouble. He gets into trouble regularly, um, and he's definitely got addiction issues. Yeah. Okay. So, what was your life like? You come out of Nick. Were you thinking, right? I'm get bang. I've got bang at it, or I'm going clean. No, 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 no. No, I didn't want to get bang at it, bang at no, it okay. at all. Um, I didn't know. I have to be honest with you. I did not know what I was going to do. Um, I spent most of my life feeling fucking lost, Dodge. Yeah. You know, I think I fi- I fitted in when I went down south, down to Spain. You know, there was there was things I fitted in with. I was just different. I've always been different. I've always been. I've never felt like I fitted in. Never. I've always felt like I'm different. Mm. Um. And of course, Terry would have made me feel like that as well. Yeah. You know, hitting me around the head, calling me a dick, uh, whatever. You know, whatever he would have said to me to make you feel like that. That stays with you for for forever. I think to be honest, it's very difficult to shift mm. that stuff. And I and, and I know it. You know, but it doesn't make me feeling less unworthy of shit yeah. at times. Um, and and so I think, you know, it took me a while to understand where I was going to go, probably two or three months. I moved to, I moved to Wales initially. And then, um, you know, the family business is in the Midlands. Um, so you're roughly here now, mid-20s now, are you? I'm 23. 23 at this point. 20, I would have been 23 and a half or something like that, wouldn't I? I'd already done that. Yeah. Um, so what's your journey been from coming out of Nick to where you are today at 49 years old? Have you been banged up since then? No. Have you got in trouble oh, since yeah. then? Oh, yeah. Not, but not, not, nothing serious. <laughs> nothing serious. I've not been banged up. I've, I've spent a couple of nights in cells. Yeah. For? Uh, my mate wrote my car off fucking driving away from the police one time and um, he spent the night in hospital because he had concussion and I spent the night in a fucking cell. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Were you driving? No, it was no. a fuck. <laughs> So but he drove away from the police. So yeah. they, they've got a question, yeah, haven't of course, they? Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, he was hammered. Yeah, he was hammered. CL fifty five AMG. Oh god, mate, Quick. completely totaled. Yeah, hit a was fucking it? hit a fucking tree. Yeah, hit a tree. That's cut, right cut the roof off. That's cut the roof off to get him out. Yeah. And so I spent night then. I spent a night. I probably, I'll, you know, probably. Uh, yeah, I got done with some pills. Walked into a club a couple of times. Mm. You know. I mean, I've always loved pills. Mm. Fucking, you know, if you could do them legally now, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love them. Um, as I said, they suit me. <laughs> um, but so, so my journey really, I ended up getting back involved with the family business. <laughs> they suit Dude, me. They fucking that. do. Yeah, 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 They're yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, I'd bring some decent ones around again at the moment. I don't know. I went to Ibiza for a while, but. Um, but yeah, I, and 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 I definitely relived that when I got out. You know, I mean, you know, I definitely started going clubbing and stuff, and he really enjoyed that. You know, I do Ibiza and all of that stuff. Yeah. But 
I knew that there was more to me than, than, you know, being known for that. And of course, you're carrying around what in essence was an imp- a massive impact fucking prison sentence, really. Yeah. Banned from France for five years as yeah. well. <laughs> I wanted to fucking go back there in a hurry. Oh, no, 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 I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> what the fuck? You can ban me forever <laughs> if you like. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, thanks, thanks. Uh, you know, there was like a free hotel yeah. for two and a half yeah, yeah. years, but it's not the best accommodation. Um, so, so, but, so I ended up getting in- involved in the family business and my grand- grandfather didn't talk to me initially, right? He set up the family business. Reason he didn't do is because Terry, I've been really honest with Terry mm. and my mum about what I was doing. When I was smuggling, mm. I told them what I was doing. In fact, a lot of what I was doing, I think, looking back, and my cousin made me think about this, was actually to prove to Terry that I don't fucking need you and I can go out and do shit on my yeah. own and come up and turn up with a nice car with a grand in my fucking bum bag yeah. every day. You know, that's that's how I felt. And I still feel like that was how I felt. Then. Bum bag. We know we're in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I never used to go anywhere without a grand yeah. in my bum bag yeah. as well back then when, mm. I, when I was doing that. And that year in, when, I, when I was smuggling, mate, mm. honestly, you know the business, the film The Business? Mm, of course I do. Yeah, it's, like, it's like looking back at that. Yeah. And we've skipped a lot of that stuff because yeah. we could be here forever talking yeah. about that, right? Mm. Um, and I had some great fucking days. In fact, I look back at it and it excites me. It's mm. like looking at somebody at a, at a film that somebody's written about me. <laughs> and, and I genuinely think it would make a good film mm. at some stage. Anybody wants to do a film, just contact me. <laughs> um, so, and it was entrepreneurial, right? Whichever mm. way you look at it, there's risk-taking in that. Um, there is, there's impulsiveness. There's a serious amount of self-belief when you're doing things like that as well. You're breaking the You've got to have some sort of ego or, or, or fucking bollocks to do that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, crime, business. There's not a fucking lot between those there's two not. at times. In fact, I think there's more on, there's more honor in fucking in the crime world than, than there is in business yeah. these days. Yeah. Like, People 100%. look down at crime world going and there's no honour in it. Is Mate, it? there's more fucking honour in that. Than the people in some of the suits in the city. You're going to fuck somebody o- oh, over, yeah. you're going to get fucked over. Yeah. You fuck somebody over in, in the UK in business, mm. you get away with it. Mm. Because you can't fucking retaliate, mm. can you? Um, yeah, so go on, we could go on to that one and yeah. fucking go on a proper tangent yeah. about business and the business world. There's some f- in that mm. one, isn't there? Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely more honor in that. So, so, uh, the family business was in, in photocopying parts, right? So consumables, one of the biggest in the UK as well. My grandfather had set up in paper. So when I got out, um, my grandfather was trying to take a back seat and he'd always driven the business. And my father, um, I find out later on, rode on his coattails for years and didn't really do a lot of work. Yeah. Like it was my grandfather did the work and Terry liked to be the sort of Why do you call him Terry and not Dad? Because he's a he's not he's not my dad. Okay. Is he still alive today, Terry? Yeah. Have you seen him? I haven't seen him for for years. I'll tell you why in a minute. Go on. I got involved in the family business Mm. and the and and the photocopying industry was changing. So people are moving to printers, aren't they? And I I could see an opportunity here. So I I went to them, I went. Listen, I think there's an opportunity in the printer market. No, 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 copiers, blah, blah, blah. Terry couldn't, couldn't even see it. When I spoke to my grandfather, I went, things are changing. You move from paper into photocopiers. You went from toner into parts, consumables, because mm. that's what people wanted. It's moving away from that. Everybody's got desktop printers now. Everybody's doing printing. Inkjet cartridges is where it's at. And I'd been to the business show, one of the business shows, and I knew that one of the t- toner suppliers was making inks for the inkjet cartridges. So they were already looking at this area, which is the natural progression, right? They're chemical companies mm. making the toners and then go moving to inks. 
So I said, well, I, I think we should go into the database because they supplied all of the copier dealers. And back in the day, there was fucking loads. Of, that was the money. Was that huge. was money business, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. You, could, you, you wrote your own yeah. fucking you know, multi-millionaires yeah. in that industry. Yeah. Um, and lots of independent still as well. Lots of repair guys, copy dealers. Everyone who was in the game of photocopying printing was earning fortunes back in the day. They were fucking minted, yeah. Yeah, yeah, minted. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up in a world that you know, that money was around that, yeah. you know. I can't say that it was because of poverty I did what I did. Mm. I did for, for plenty of other reasons. Um, and what, and I, what, so, What were those reasons? <sighs> yeah, probably about what I, what I said a minute ago. I, I think I wanted to prove to Terry that I was a... I was a man mm. and I could go and do something other than have it to go to the family business to do something. Mm. I just chose the wrong area. You crammed a lot in me. 25. 25, yeah. yeah. How are we doing for time? Don't you worry about that. <laughs> so I was probably, yeah, I must've been 20, I must've been 25. So it was 2000. So work that out. I don't know, 20, maybe, maybe 27, maybe yeah. something like that. Maybe yeah, 27, yeah, yeah. doesn't matter. <clears throat> That's when I needed to prove to me Nobody else. Cause I Did fucking... you ever think about clumping your old man? Yeah. In fact, um, when I... If no. I... Oh, fuck. No. Yes, I did. But I didn't do it. But let me tell you what I did do. When I hadn't... I hadn't long been out. And no. It was when... Oh, fuck. This is what... This is when I, why I walked out. Mm. I was staying in an annex. So I was going up to the Wales, seeing my son, because mm. I split up with Jessica, mm. right? Um, it was living in Wales, and I was trying to build my life, right? It was never going to happen up there. That mm. I would have just got back into doing shit I shouldn't have been doing. Mm. So, so like, been, what? like what? Well, probably dealing, yeah. if I'm honest with you, if I'd stayed in Wales, <laughs> which I didn't want to do. Um, well, I used to get some great drugs from there, to be fair, but 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 I would have ended up dealing. Yeah. Um, and 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 that is not listen, not not really not for me. I've already done high levels, yeah. higher level stuff. Mm. I want to stop dealing. Do you, know do you know that? Do you know that? Two fifty, the hundred and ten keys. Yeah. Roughly two hundred and fifty grand. Whose was that two hundred and fifty grand? Well, mostly mine, but also somebody else's. But it, I suppose it's. Damage limitation on it. Well, how much do you reckon was yours? How much was it in a percentage wise? Um, yeah, I, I put everything into into that last one because it was going to be the last one. So I, I I have thought about this. I'm not quite sure. I think probably two thirds was 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 probably our money. So two thirds for you, and there was and there was some money of somebody else's in that as well. So we had rough. He had roughly seventy. Someone had seventy grand. Seventy in eighty it. grand in there. Where yeah. did that seventy eighty grand go? Did it ever come on top of you? No. Did anyone when you come out in Excel? No, no, no. That, or did it... No, because no, because I'm, dude. I'm not going to fucking say. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not. It's not like that. I'm just not a good. No, so, I'm saying. I mean, I mean the person after who's, afterwards. Yeah, afterwards. It's like hold on. No, a minute. because at the end of the day, listen, did he, did shit he take happens. responsibility? To say if you got nicked, you got nicked. I lose my seventy grand. Hundred percent. Okay, but the, let's face it. We this wasn't the only fucking run we'd done. Yeah, there was already cash in the UK. Yeah. From other runs. Yeah. You know, we'd not we'd hundred and ten then, but we would. Well, I think the one before that was ninety. We had done 70 or 80 before that. Each time we were mounting it yeah, up. okay. Like put all the money back in and fucking build it up. Yeah. We were still living okay. Yeah. So there was money back in the UK. Mm. So, you know, it is what it is. Mm. Are you still mates with Russ today? Uh, Russ is doing quite a long stretch for um, cocaine, uh, conspiracy and coke. Is he? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not quite sure where he is. I haven't had contact with him for years. I did mm. see him after I got out. How was that? Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. He was a shadow of his former self, mm. I have to be honest with you. But um, yeah, yeah, all right. It was like we we had. It was like we had only seen each other yesterday. Yeah. 
literally bumped into each other in a fucking supermarket of all fucking places in in a completely different part of the country. Like it was random as fuck, proper random, <laughs> you, like the most random thing ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we we ended up having a coffee together and sort of spent the afternoon together. Maybe had a couple of drinks and and then we kept in contact for a bit. But but you know, I think I'd moved on from that life. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. What uh, is your what is your life today, Elliot? What is your life as you sit today? List for the listeners. Who are you today? I'm an ADHD aware helper. Okay. I want to help people to understand from the things that I've been through. You know, there's a lot of resilience in in, in, in a lot of those things. And we haven't even talked about the business side of things, really. Mm-hmm. But there's resilience in there. There's knowing how to perform. There's knowing how to hyper-focus, which, of course, and now I understand ADHD. You know, this is the space I should be in because I've got a similar brain to 60 to 70%, if not more, of entrepreneurs, right? That's more than 60 or 70% of self-made billionaires and billionaires are, are ADHD. How would, how would you know if I was ADHD or dyslexic? Or I've never been tested for anything, so I don't actually know. It seems like a buzzword these days. Yeah. Like, I, you know, if you, got, if you were at school and you were dyslexic, you were seen as a, he's a dyslexic or... Yeah. He's a wrong one or put him in the corner or it's like the word mental health or mental kid put him in the ADHD seems like this real buzzword that's come about in the last two, three years and people are coming out again. I've got ADHD and this is a brilliant thing to have because I'm really creative and I'm this. Da, da. It's not a brilliant thing to have. Is it not? If you've got it, you've got to be proud of it, surely. I and mean, what, listen. What, it, actually, it, what it, actually is it? So, what is ADHD? Well, it's attention deficit hyper disorder. Not yes. everybody is hyper. I've sat here fairly, fairly still. Yeah. My legs aren't really going, but I'm quite animated, aren't I? Um, But the hyper disorder, because it used to be ADD and then ADHD. So ADHD is a hyperactive disorder um, and ADD was just um, attention deficit disorder. But it's it's now moved into being ADHD and Mm. different different sort of levels of it, I suppose. Mm. Um, There's a real contradiction, and you'll see this from my socials, as I think think you've probably Mm. seen a few of these things. Mm. There's a real contradiction. So we are able to hyper-focus on things and then get stuff done in less time than probably neurotypicals can do, but not right till the last fucking minute, yeah. right? Um, I mean, I don't know what your timekeeping's like. What's your timekeeping like? It's all right. Yeah, really? It's all right, yeah. Okay. Do you leave things to the last minute? Depends Okay. Well, you may to think about it. Depends me if it excites me. If it excites you, you'll you'll make more effort. Oh, I'm on it. If it excites me, creating a new business, creating a podcast, creating a festival, throwing all the parties and nightclub. If if it excites me, I am on it. I don't leave that alone. I'm twenty four seven. Contacts people, open doors, research. Yeah, it's got to excite me. Things that don't excite me, I have no freaking interest. I don't watch telly. Yeah, I don't watch the news. Yeah, I don't. I ain't got time for that. I like creating. Yeah. I don't sit there flicking people's stuff on social on social media stuff. It's I like being creative. I like having good people around me. If you had a project to do that you didn't fucking want to do. I wouldn't do it. You're right. But if you had to do it. I wouldn't do it. Okay, perfect. I mean, there's so so there's a few things in there that probably that there could be, but that doesn't mean you are. Mm. Um are you an overthinker? Do you are you quite impulsive? Are you do you overthink stuff that, that it sort of bothers you? I don't overthink, but I'm always five moves ahead. Okay. So you're so, so you're so you're a real solutions guy, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you're I'm you're, a problem solver. You're a problem yeah, solver. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of ADHD. But that's why, as, well. as an entrepreneur, you solve problems. Which is why a lot of 
entrepreneurs are ADHD. Right, okay. Because they do solve problems, they'll cut corners. Right. Right. You think about oh, what, massively. what we're oh, like, like at cut... school. If we could cheat yeah. or we could or we could or had to do an exam, either you wouldn't fucking do I'll it. I'll find a way it. to get the answers off someone to do it that I'll get a 100%. grade got me through. Which is why I probably got a C, a GCSE maths, and then got into A level and thought, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Because I I would have found a way of, of doing that. Same. Yeah? Same. But there was lots of subjects. I just did I I got just got five GCSEs. Yeah. Didn't do A levels. Yeah. But I got to sports university. Yeah, how the fuck did you do that? You, got in through the door back you found a way sport and personality and leadership did it and you find a way yeah and i got there doing a at loughborough sports university everyone get on that course had to get had to have like a a b and a levels i didn't even do a levels didn't do exams so you managed so you managed to get in there, get in there and find a way find a way and then i got I found a way when i was in there to get through that <laughs> i mean you know <laughs> i actually went to university because i was throwing parties for a living and then i had twelve thousand people i on remember campus. you saying I twelve thousand people on campus i've got to stay here because i'm earning such a load of dough that's that was my journey. That's how that, that's yeah. how that started. Yeah, that's your how it started journey. For the yeah. Last but it excited. So they so they excited you. So if the things excite us, then we then then we'll be able to actually be, take part of it. But most things don't fucking excite us. Yeah. You've just literally explained that there's things that excite you, which you've explained what they are. Yeah. But most things don't. So yeah. you don't fucking bother with it. Yeah, don't bother. Yeah. And and if if everybody could be like that, then there would be a lot more successful. ADHDers, but the yeah. problem is not everybody has that entrepreneurial flair or an, or a, or an opportunity that comes up, or maybe they're just not even wired that way to do that, or maybe they don't aren't as risk averse. Mm. You know, maybe they or they are risk averse. What's averse? Is mm. it one way or the other? I but, like risk. Yeah, so whether that's risk averse or the other, I don't well, know, I clearly fucking like I risk, risk as well. Yeah. Don't I? <laughs> quite clearly, so so we we do like to take risks. Mm. We're also quite impulsive as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't like planning particularly. Mm. Planning is fucking boring to be because it's a bit of a process, right? But big picture thinking yeah. um, and coming up with a solution really quickly, great. Knowing what the first steps are to get there, oh, not so good. Mm. Because we're we're looking at the big picture. We know we can get there. Yeah. Somebody just give us an edge on these first mm. steps because those first steps don't really suit me. I don't like these I bits. do I do it the other way. I, big picture. Go to the end, reverse engineer it, and yeah. work my way back. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that and I, mean, I use mind maps, which I've spoken yeah. about a lot, right? Yeah. Because that's what that does. Yeah. You get the big picture, you start in the middle, and you work. And you, in essence, work yeah. it, work it back. Yeah. So then you can reverse engineer. Yeah. I've done that really successfully. Market stalls, businesses, mm. multi-million pound business were built in the video games industry. I did that with that as well to understand things I didn't get. Mm. Because it helps to visualize stuff, right? And you just did exactly that there. You vi you pictured something mm. in your head to work it back. Without that, it's just in here, isn't it? Mm. So that's a difficulty. Very, we can think clearly in here, but actually, sometimes being able to verbalize that or or take action in the right places becomes really difficult. So you've got that. There is overthinking that comes with it. So there will be a lot of because you're thinking of lots of different things really quickly. Then it becomes really overwhelming, and you're not sure what to focus on. Now, do the big picture stuff. Or reverse engineer something easy because you can focus on the steps, can't you? But without that, and you don't have that, if you don't get it out of your head, you've got all of these thoughts going on. You're not sure what to take. Maybe there's some doubt setting in. So that's where they overwhelm it and the overwhelm comes in and procrastination because you're not sure what to bit to do first. Mm. For you and I, mapping it out, doing something like that, it's the only way it's really going to work. Because if you left it in your head, Dodge, and you didn't and you didn't put it out like you just did very mm. quickly on the table then, mm. you'd be lost for a while. Mm. And then you've got to verbalize it, but you're a quick thinker as mm. well. So trying to verbalize it to people that don't get how the way how you're thinking, you're not necessarily going to be able to say it in the way that they're going to understand. Mm. 
So you, when you're with your team, I'm assuming you have ways of people understanding certain things now so they can take action in the areas they need to, which is where a biz, big, good business yeah. works. Yeah, well, I have people in place there who yeah. understand my mind. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why they're, they've been with me so long, I guess, because they just go bang. And they get it. Banging, yeah. Like, but yeah, yeah. So you, do you spend much more than 15 minutes in a meeting or do you get, do you get no. a bit fucking bored? Yeah. No. So there you go. Elon Musk, no. 15 minutes, walks bang. out. I'm, I'm bang, bang, bang. Let's get on with it. Yeah. Bang. What and, the fuck? Crack on. Otherwise, the meeting ends up being about a meeting, about a fucking yeah. meeting. About, I don't want to hear the rest of the shit. Yeah. I'll tell you what I need to say. I'm going to get out of there. Yeah. So, you know, he, I don't think he's been diagnosed. I think Bill Gates has. Um, and most of the millionaires and billionaires are, have either got traits or been diagnosed or suspected. So as an have. adult now, how do you get diagnosed? Who do you go and see to say, have I got ADHD? Oh, or, fucking or, hell. I mean, go to a private. If you can afford it, go to private. So many people are going private now. The waiting list is fucking three or four years, two to three, four years. What, for someone to say, somebody to you've, say got you've got ADHD? You've got ADHD. To go through an assessment, mm. which is going to take time. I got, have you noticed people coming out and saying, I've got ADHD, I've got ADHD. I've got, everywhere I look now, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Instagram, whatever it is, have, I've yeah. got ADHD. I've got you ADHD. know why? People are like really proud of it. Yeah, because most of those are entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, aren't they? Yeah, okay. So yeah, I think, forget me, forgive me if I get this wrong, but you're 300 times more likely to set a business up if you've got ADHD. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're 300 times mm. more likely for that to work. Mm. Because a lot of those people will try and do it solopreneurs. We know plenty of them from Clubhouse, right? Mm. I've become a solopreneur more recently. Really fucking difficult. Because you're trying to do all the things that are really not suited to you. And I, the word, phrase I use, can't do, won't do, and don't do. As soon as you fucking find those three things out, fucking move them to somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Because if you do them, which most solopreneurs are, and if you're an overthinker and you haven't got somebody the, the right people around you to help you to understand your strengths, because mm. you think you're good at everything. Because mm. at some time, we've been good at everything, mm. right? Everything that's in your business, I bet you've done once really fucking well. Mm. But you don't want to do it again, do you? Well, I know what I'm not good at. Yeah. So I get people in that are amazing. There. I want them to be better than myself at all of the stuff. Yeah. You know, you're great at that. You're great at that. You're great at that. I know what I'm good at. Yeah. I'm good at with people. I'm good with opening doors. I'm good with communication. I'm good with chatting. I'm good with big ideas. Yeah. And then you, that's my you crack thing. on. That's and then your let bit. them crack on. Yeah. Yeah. So... There's a, there's, a real, there's a real dark side to ADHD that becomes quite... Um, and I've definitely experienced this. After finding out I was, I think I started going on a bit of a journey of self-discovery. And I was diagnosed by a psychologist um, that works with ADHD patients in New York. He'd heard me on Clubhouse, very early days of Clubhouse, and, and contacted me. And it was around the time I'd already thought I might be. And then he, he, he said, let's get on a call. So we did, a, we did a, like a 40-minute call where he did an evaluation on me. And at the end of the evaluation, he said, five minutes in, I know you're ADHD. I said, you could have fucking saved me 35 <laughs> minutes. But yeah. I think just because you appear to be doesn't necessarily mean you are. Yeah. And I can't remember what he asked me, Dodger. If I'm honest with you, I genuinely cannot remember what he asked me. But it's it, I've done tests online. The best place if you think you are, even if you don't want to be diagnosed or you don't care whether you are. I know a lot of I business don't, owners I don't, don't care. care. I don't care. But it'd be nice to know. It would be nice to know someone go, yeah, you are, or no, you're not. Mm. And, and, and I think... There are, there's plenty of tests online where you can just do a test and it will give you, put you in a category of seeing whether you are like, highly likely to be ADHD, mm. whether you have traits of, and they sort of put you in that category and that can make you feel good. That can always make, make for some people feel shit about themselves. Yeah. But now I understand the difficulty. I understand the fact that it can make you feel so shit about yourself that, that, that when, when you're on your own and you're trying to do something on your own and you don't have people around you, yeah. And you lose all faith in yourself and you have no trust in yourself anymore. And all you think about is all the bad shit. 
And that's what engulfs your mind when you go to sleep. It's like there's a loop of all the shit things people have said, the shit things you've done just goes round and round and round. And when you can't get out of that, that's that's like a, you know, is that depression? I don't know that I've, I've been depressive, mm. if that's the right terminology. I don't mm. know that I've had depression. There's levels in there. Scale of one to 10 depression. Yeah, yeah. And I think the ADHD, because we have rejection-sensitive rejection dysphoria, RSD, which you'll see a lot on social media now, it is when you've been rejected by things, Terry's obviously there's been rejection there in, in a lot of ways. Um, I would have been rejected in, in, in relationships when people don't answer a phone, for example, or somebody doesn't respond to an email that you've sent out when you've done something for, or you've done some free coaching for them and they don't buy into what you're doing. All those things there and you think, yeah, well, that's okay to feel a bit shit about it. Or some people go, oh, you just fucking move into the next one. You, that doesn't, it doesn't affect you like that. You feel shit about it. Yeah. Like it impacts you for days. Do you magnify it? hundred fucking percent. Okay. And it, and, it, and it makes, and I, as I'm saying it now, I'm, of course, I'm thinking, I'm recalling things mm. now. And it's making me feel inside in about here mm. is that it's it, where it's sort of anxiety starts about here, doesn't it? Mm. You know, and then sort of when it gets to your stomach, you know, it's really fucking bad, <laughs> but it creates anxiety. So it sort of goes hand in hand. And then, then when you're feeling low, your dopamine levels drop. And then you don't want to go outside. Mm. You don't want to go and do something. You don't want to get to go for a drink with somebody. Or maybe you haven't got the money to go for a drink mm. with people and enjoy yourself and raise that dopamine. And I did partying for years. No wonder the fucking, uh, the the, uh, the pills worked, <laughs> right? Because they were like raising my dopamine yeah. levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it suited me. Mm. So going out on weekends and doing that probably carried me through the week. Then I'm working really busy during the week. I'm keeping myself going. You like to be busy, right? Mm. Because the busier you are, the better you operate because you're keeping your dopamine levels yeah, high. Yeah. Go on holiday and chill. That's okay because you're giving yourself the, the, the reason to do that. Mm. But if you didn't do something and you were stuck in a, in, a, in a house on your own and trying to figure out what you're trying to do and, and those dopamine levels drop, it becomes cloudy. You could cloudier. do your own editing, And it you? does. Yeah. And that's so you get that downward spiral. Okay. It's really difficult. The best thing to do when you get like that, which people don't always do, is get out. Go for a fucking walk. Yeah, I agree. Do a two. And I don't just mean go for a fucking stroll. I mean, go out and go for a long, a fast walk, like as fast as you can. I walk fast anyway. Yeah. But a fast walk, you raise that dopamine, mm. you'll start thinking of things clearer. You're like, it's, uh, you, you do get like a filter. It's like all, the, all that fucking mush where it's like all this chatter going mm. on. The, the interesting stuff, the important stuff comes to the surface. And you go, fuck, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, in the shower. People say that it comes into the shower, right? Mm. The reason is you're stood up, you're showering. Mm. It's, 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 I'll get my it's, best ideas in the shower. Yeah, probably yeah. because you are, it's, it's, the water and everything is going to spark something. It's going to make you feel slightly different. You know, it does willing raise, raise yeah. the endorphins and the, and the dopamine. And so that's where those ideas become clearer, don't mm. they? So, but ADHD isn't on its own, right? Mo most, in most cases, they call it comorbidities, which is or mo something like that. But it's a horrible word. Co-occurs. It co-occurs with dyslexia, with dis, um, dyscalculia, which is dyslexia for numbers, which I spoke about quite early mm. on, right? Dysgraphia. Um, there's what's dysgraphia? So there's there's different. So you've got dysgraphia. I've just been doing some neurodiversity yeah. training, right? Mm. So excuse me if I get these a little wrong, but you've got there's seven of the main traits: dysgraphia, dyscalculia, dyslexia. Autism comes into that, Tourette syndrome, um, and dyspraxia as well. Dysgraphia is um, is is a little bit like um, dyslexia, but and you'll probably notice or you'll think, oh, I've seen people do that. Writing isn't necessarily about bad writing, which 
sort of tends to be linked with dyslexia or those other things with that as well. Like your hand aches, mm. you might hands people, some people write mm. weird. Like, Left-handers like, normally, that is Left hand, yeah. but that's because probably the way the ink is in the mm. paper, but even right-handers, but they write, they just look awkward when yeah. they write, like probably really look like that. Um, but also, and, and it may cramp, cramp up, but also spacing of lettering. So, um, you know, really difficult to keep on lines, keep within margins, but not just that, but they'll be a little bit all over the place. And some people write like that. I write in capital letters, have done for Same. as long as I can I'm remember. capital letters as yeah. well. Does so, that mean anything? Well, it probably means because our handwriting's dog shit, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which mine is. Yeah, and the, the more I try and write joined up, the worse the it worse fucking it gets. That's why I do capitals. Yeah, though. me too. Oh, wow. Because I think if I but do my capitals, capitals no, you can't go wrong. My capitals are like joined up capitals are yours. Yeah. So, no. so they're, like, they're like capitals, but we've learned a way of doing it. So it's, yeah. it almost semi-joins mm. up in a way. So mm. because it's quite natural for mm. us to write in capitals. Um, so yeah, so so that dysgraphia is when when their sort of words are a bit sort of spaced out uh, and not and, and don't really follow some mm. sort of uniformity. And I think we can all think about kids at school that that we probably now or probably then probably considered they were. Uh, I'm not going to say the word that we would say because yeah. I think we, yeah, we yeah. shouldn't really say that anymore. Yeah. But you, you can all imagine what mm. that, what that word would be, and and it, we're wrong in thinking that because they're probably different. What does that letter begin? Well, that, R. Oh, okay. <laughs> what were you thinking? I don't know. I was, <laughs> I, I was waiting to see you. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because we would we would rudely think of people mm. like as being a bit of a div or whatever mm. at school, weren't we? And and they were backwards or whatever. But actually, now we're looking at it and understanding these things more. They would have had abilities that we wouldn't have. Absolutely. They could have worked things out quicker than we could. They're the proper entrepreneurs. Of they probably they really yeah. are. They really are. Um, dyslexia, you know what that is. Although, do you? Because mm. we tend to think about that we can't spell. Mm. Um, but actually, it's not always about spelling. I'm a really good speller. Like I can see words. Yeah. Unlike numbers, I'm bl number blind. I can see words. However, my hand aches. I don't like reading stuff. I hate filling fucking forms out. I hate emails. Oh my god. Make me feel uh, fucking. Mate, I don't. Emails I, make mate, me feel. They I make me. Oh. I don't do emails. I hate emails. I've, I've run all our, for me. all our businesses, all for me. WhatsApp. What's no one email all mate. day, and yeah. I prefer to speak to people. To be yeah. honest with you, and I don't read forms. Mm. I don't fill out forms. My missus does Forms freak me out, mate. I've, I haven't opened a letter in 20 years. My missus did all the... I, I, oh, all God. that, all well, that, that to that me get, is and, my worst nightmare. And the, and, and, uh, Someone says you know you've got to fill out a form and I'm like, oh my God. Like, it was... Is this part How of, do you feel when you have to fill out... So, so, so you're asking about this, right? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you how I feel, but when you, if you had to fill a form out, I know you don't do it, mm. but if you had to yeah. and nobody was around you and you, had, you were stuck in a room, you had to fill a fucking yeah. form out... I, no, in that case, you could probably do it because you had to do it. But what what would you feel like? How would you feel if you had to fill a form? I'd think, what a bull leg. What? And would Ugh. you do everything you possibly could not to do it? Yeah. you put it off forever? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Have you ever got into and problems? I miss, and I would miss out bits, and then they would come back to me and say, that hasn't been filled out. Like, oh, fuck, what have I got? <laughs> would you have ever got into into a problem because of not filling a form out for a parking fine or something like that? Whatever, something that that would potentially escalate to being an issue. I know you've got this solved now because you've got a wife. You're lucky, right? You've yeah. got people around you. Yeah. But think of you if you didn't, or maybe back to a time when you didn't. Would you, would that have potentially caused a problem? And then yeah. you've got to fucking pay something which you don't pay, and then the fine comes through. Things like that. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've. I've, I've been all right on that. Okay. Front. Yeah. But lots of people do. Mm. So, so, and that becomes a compound issue. Mm. So you get a, you get, you, you get the first letter come through, and you oh, know you've no, got I've to never, contact I've, them. I've never, I've never. No, You're I, lucky, I, yeah. No. But not everybody has yeah. maybe sorted, been sorted quite yeah. as long as you have in yeah. your successful life. Mm. I've been through obviously a roller coaster of success yeah. and times when I've been attached, and somebody sorted those 
a, a, something that's come through yeah. to pay a parking fine, just get it straight off, yeah. fine. Left to my own devices, they mount up until it becomes a thousand fucking pounds, yeah. right? And that is pretty standard in the ADHD community. Yeah. Okay. Um, so again, you linked autism. Now there's lots of different traits with autism. There's stimming, there's sensitivity, sensory issues as well. Sounds, smells, noises, all of these things. Mm. Now, a lot of these things are linked with ADHD. Um, and so when they are, and doing this training recently, so I can go into corporates and, and create awareness so that you can accommodate, mm. understand people, mental health, right? There's mental health first aiders in businesses these days. It's becoming fairly standard. Yeah. This is the next step yeah. because it's not being linked with mental health, but it is mental health. It's mm. our health of our brains. Mm. Neurodiversity isn't because it isn't all of those things I've just mentioned, those names. It's neuro differences, brain differences. Yeah. We've all got the same brain, but they're all wired differently. Wired, yeah. You will have people in your businesses that will have be more creative, probably could even potentially be on an autism spectrum, maybe, mm. could have ADHD, mm. could could be dyslexic or 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 the other ones that I've you know more. Oh, I of. love I love those ones. Of course you do, you know, because you we them, appreciate like, Mate, you're, you're really creative and I, I bring out the best of them. Of course you will, because you're a similar you, thinker. Yeah, yeah. And we tend to attract those people. Elliot. Yes. I've really, really enjoyed this episode. And we could go on for hours. We really could. We're kicking into nearly two hours. Are we? Shit. Yeah. It's gone quickly. I did think that, which is why I asked you a yeah, while yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, It's gone really quickly. Do you know what? You have lived a really eventful life. I think so. Mm. In a very packed time. And I said, you were like up to 25. It was all packed into that. I know you've done a lots going on and after that, but there's yeah. a big packed, big impact in your life around there wasn't there huge impact but, huge impact you know i really appreciate you making the effort coming down we've I been talking about this the last couple of years and we have. i did say to you last what the time i saw you up in london uptown i was like have you ever really told her and you were like no, no. and then we've stayed in touch and i know you built up the confidence to go do you know what fuck it i'm gonna say it yeah and i really appreciate you saying it on this platform it's been my pleasure, and I appreciate you having me on. I mm. feel I feel honoured to be on, mm. to be on here, mate. Amongst mm. your other, you know, the guests you've had, mm. I genuinely appreciate and and thank you for for having me on. Yeah, mate, it's been a pleasure. Where can people find you before we leave? Um, ElliotCBrown.com, uh, E double L I O T C B R O W N E dot com, and and the same Elliot C Brown on socials. I mean, Instagram has has, has grown over the last yeah. the last month yeah. massively. So um, so yeah, any of the socials really. Elliot, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you. Good man. Thank you very much. Good man. Much.